Should we do one more song or not? Let's do one more. Okay, yeah. surprise let's do, us let's with do Little Star. Okay. For, yeah. All right. Something completely different. Okay. What was the inspiration for this? For which? Little Star. Lola. Oh. Otherwise known as Lourdes Maria. Ah. How's she doing? It's my one. It's my one super sentimental song on the album. Well, everybody should have one of them. I exactly. Think. Where's my engineer? Oh. Well, we always bring Lola in when we're, we're when we're like three cars away to do a song, and if she grooves to it, then we know we're we're in the right place. Is she pretty accurate about that? Oh yeah. Hello, listeners. This is David from In the Lap of the Pods Queen Podcast, and you are listening to another episode of Trimming the Musical Fat. Slanjabar. What's that smell? Oh, that would be me. I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love it. I love it! That's the signal, let's go. Hello, we're back to express ourselves with another episode of Trimming the Musical Fat, the podcast where we trim albums that are too damn long. I'm Stephen Nicholson. I'm Paul Nicholson. And thank you for joining us as we take our invisible scissors to Ray of Light, the Queen of Pop Madonna's hugely successful 1998 comeback album. What's going to make the under 50 minute single vinyl TTMF supercut of the album? Frozen? Sky Fits Heaven, The Power of Goodbye, Nothing Really Matters? Well, keep listening to find out. We'll also find time to do regular features like Joke of the Pod, Tale of the Tape, Critical Reception, Trim the Talk, Archive Interview Clips, and The Final Questions. Madonna's brilliant new album, Ray of Light. of Light, nominated for six Grammy Awards, from the artist of our time comes the album of the year, Madonna, Ray of Light. It's the tale of the tape. Ray of Light is the seventh studio album by American singer-songwriter Madonna, and it was released in early 1998 by Maverick Records. A stylistic and aesthetical departure from her previous work, Ray of Light is an electronica and techno-pop record which incorporates multiple genres including ambient, trip-hop, psychedelic music and Middle Eastern music, while also seeing Madonna singing with greater breadth and a fuller tone. Mystical themes are also strongly present in both the music and lyrics as a result of Madonna embracing Kabbalah, her study of Hinduism and Buddhism, and her daily practice of Ashtanga Yoga. There are 13 tracks on the album, and they are Drowned World slash Substitute for Love, Swim, Ray of Light, Candy Perfume Girl, Skin, Nothing Really Matters, Sky Fits Heaven, 
Shanti slash Atangi, Frozen, The Power of Goodbye, To Have and Not To Hold, Little Star, and Mer Girl. The album is 67 minutes in duration, which means we need to lose at least 17 minutes today. There were five singles released from the album, and they are Frozen, which was released in January of 98, Ray of Light in April um, of the same year, Drowned World, which was released in August of 98, The Power of Goodbye in September, and the final single, Nothing Really Matters, which was released on the 2nd of March in 1999. It's almost psychedelic, dare I say. Yeah. Drug music without drugs. Yeah. Is that possible? Well, I guess it None is. None of us are on anything. Mm-hmm. It's possible if you have really free people. Yeah. Because ultimately that's what drugs do. They free your mind and give you the feeling like you have you know, yeah. no inhibitions. You can go anywhere. So you're just in touch with your inner whatever. And My inner self? Yes. Uh, well, I, I'd like to think I am. I mean, I, it's, I've come a long way. I used to think I was in touch with my inner self, and then I realized that was my inner ego. <laughs> um, What's the difference? Because the ego is all you know, gratification for yourself alone. Mm. It's not very much sharing and, and kindness so and generosity. So does this have anything to do with having children? Because children, of course, uh, put something in your life that you, gives you something else to live for besides yourself. It has mm. a lot to do with that. I mean, yeah. I think probably having hers set me off on a new way of thinking, and then just gone down a different road, yeah. period. And g- good for it, it was very good for me, too, because then the writing of this record and the working on it where I was going allowed me to be much more yeah. free and, and experimental. Hey, this is Mar from Pods Like Us, the show where we help you to find your next podcast addiction. And you're listening to Trimming the Musical Fat, a show where Paul and Stephen tell you all you need to know about and more about the music that you love. Ray of Light received universal acclaim from critics. Stephen Thomas, Erlewine from All Music, called it Madonna's most adventurous record and most mature and restrained album. Paul Verna of Billboard commented, easily her most mature and personal work to date. Ray of Light finds Madonna weaving lyrics with the painstaking intimacy of diary entries and wrapping them in hymn-like melodies and instrumentation swathed in lush, melancholy ambience with forays into classic house, trance and even guitar pop. Sal Sacramene of Slant magazine described the album as one of the great pop masterpieces of the 90s and stated that its lyrics are uncomplicated but its statement is grand. And Madonna hasn't been this emotionally candid since Like a Prayer. Rob Sheffield's review for Rolling Stone called the album brilliant, but was critical of Orbit's production, saying that he doesn't know enough tricks to produce a whole album, and so it becomes repetitive. Ray of Light sold 16 million copies, selling almost 9 million copies more than its predecessor, Bedtime Stories, with an extra 54% increase in sales. The album went to number one in the UK and went six times platinum. In the US Billboard album chart, it went to number two and went four times platinum. The equivalent album sales on top of this were 67,000 for the album, which was a 40,000 increase on Bedtime Stories. 
the most streamed song on the album was Frozen with 25,000 streams. Okay, so it's time to introduce our very special guests. So Caroline and Marissa have talked Scott's pop duo the Eve. So welcome, ladies. How are you? We're good, thanks. We're good. How are you? Oh, absolutely fantastic on this very rainy day in Edinburgh. Summer's <laughs> <laughs> well truly gone. <laughs> oh, I know. So what's been happening with you guys recently? So it's been quite a busy year, actually, to be honest. We've been on tour with the uh, singer-songwriter Porsche McDonald. So that started back in March. That went through to the summer there. Um, and then we're picking it up again, actually, next month. So we're about to do some of the shows that were cancelled last year um, and this year that were postponed. So we're off to Cardiff, Liverpool um, in early November. And then we've got Perth Concert Hall at the end of that month. Um We've got our own headline show at the Harbour Arts Centre in Irvine. That's on the 19th of November. And we are hopefully going to be um, announcing another tour support as well. But we'll keep that under wraps at the moment. Still doing the final touches to that. Okay. (laughs) Sounds exciting. And I suppose as as a band, it must have been in some ways... Was it frustrating the last couple of years? Obviously, we were kind of coming out of the lockdown and the covid pandemic and for a lot of people that really put the brakes on what they were doing so as a musical group that must have been frustrating in its own way not being able to play live and such like yeah it definitely was um i think for the first few weeks we were kind of flummoxed as to what to do over that time period but um we quickly got into action and just decided to to write loads and um we recorded remotely about 10 tracks um which we've been kind of releasing over the past year or so and mm-hmm. that was just that was really good for us actually to get that time because if you compare it to this year for example <laughs> we've really we've been gigging a lot so we really haven't had much time to write or record yeah. as much as we would like to so i think yeah it was good to have that time to record those singles and have some stuff to release um but certainly yes it was frustrating because it made you feel like well we're just going to get left behind but then you think everyone's in the same boat so everybody has to stop so it was a bit frustrating because we had a few a few irons in the fire with um some labels and stuff we did yeah, yeah. um yeah. so that kind of put the brakes on that so that was a wee bit frustrating but we put the time to good use we certainly did and i think you know the fear that we had actually coming out of lockdown and getting back to live events was, well, are we going to get any gigs? Because there was like such a backlog. Mm. And we struggled actually for that first kind of six months after lockdowns ended. And I think I think last year we had like a handful of gigs, like you're talking maybe two or three gigs. And we got to the start of this year thinking, God, how long is it going to be before we're able to get back out to do shows, to get opening slots? Because it was like, it was just fierce. Like everyone was out there back again gigging all the venues were booked up months ahead all the festivals were booked from like the two years before so we're thinking what is actually going to happen this year and then fortunately horse got in touch in early march to say do you fancy coming on tour ladies and we're like yes please that was like 18 dates with her so and then things just kind of blossomed from that and we opened for belinda carlisle this summer as well mm-hmm. so it was uh, yeah Certainly from the start of the year, 
thinking how's this year actually going to go to sitting here now almost at the end of the year going I haven't got five minutes to actually scratch my behind right now <laughs> um it just goes to show it's so unpredictable in music anything can literally happen mm-hmm. anything yeah well i was going to ask you about the belinda carlisle support slot did you get to actually meet the great lady herself no she Aww. she ran past us to get in her big fancy car because she had a gig the next day but she was very yeah. nice actually she sent us a message the next day because she had to do a bit of a flyover so right. after her set um she had to get in the car and drive down to liverpool so they just had to get going um, and she sent us a lovely message next day to say um, she enjoyed her set, it was really great and sorry that I missed you girls but I had to do a quick flyby drive to get down to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to, to take the time out to message us because she didn't mm-hmm. even have to do that. So, yeah. so yeah. But Sweet. yeah, it was a great experience. It was, it was a sold out show, wasn't it? It was brilliant, yeah. yeah. One of her best gigs and she was amazing as well so like such a pro just amazing like i didn't see any decline in her voice at all right yeah have you uh there's there's a good documentary on i think it was on sky about her band the gogos it was quite interesting didn't see that i didn't see that yeah i I don't know if it's still on but it was about the gogos and kind of where they come from and everything and then how she i think jane wielden was in the band as well and she became Mm -hmm. a solo quite successful Mm -hmm. as well and then Belinda Carlisle, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's good. We should check that out. But um, was there not a little bit of rivalry between her and Madonna at one point, or there was a bit Possibly, of a fall? Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. In the, maybe <laughs> the 80s. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. was from the or uh, uh, Truth or Dare, the documentary she did. That's that's right. The oh, video that yeah. she did. Yeah, the Truth I or Dare. She, I think she yeah, mocked she, Belinda Carlisle, she did. didn't she? Yeah, I think oh, yeah. You know, doing. <laughs> She mocked her voice. Yeah. Right. Okay. In bed with Madonna, it was called. Here wasn't it. In bed with Madonna. Yeah, I think it was. In the UK and America. Madonna. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And now Belinda Carlisle was the second of her concert I ever went to at the Edinburgh Playhouse. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Nineteen eighty-eight, I think it was. Wow. The golden years. The golden years. Heaven is a place on earth. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. it. There was a few albums around. There, I think, in the late 80s and early 90s, where that was just like epic Belinda, just ab- yeah. absolutely brilliant songs. So, yeah, no, she had a, a great yeah. voice. It was, a, it was a good concert. Of course, my first concert being very trendy was Aha. <gasps> I'm a, actually I'm a big Aha fan as well. We yeah. both went to the cinema, was it a few weeks ago, to see their new What's movie that's like called Two North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I've got their vinyl coming next oh, week. Oh, I? Big oh, the fan. New Mm-hmm. Oh, the new album oh. comes out, isn't it? Yeah. True North, yeah. 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 Oh, it was quite. In- I thought it was quite interesting. You, th- you think of a band as friends, and you know, do everything together <laughs> with these guys. It was like it was a business arrangement, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. But they were a big inspiration to Coldplay um, mm-hmm. and Keen and other bands like that. Yeah, so you just yeah. think, you know, I think I, I think they struggled to shake off that synth pop. Yep. of the first kind of two, three albums, and then they became a yep. proper rock act, and I, I just don't think they've ever managed to shake off the boy band yeah. synth-pop mm-hmm. thing. It's a shame. Yeah. Scoundrel Days, the second album, is superb. Oh, it's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. album, yeah. He's got a great voice as well, Morton Harkett, because it wasn't until I was watching a lot of the videos, and I was thinking, he's got a brilliant mm-hmm. voice, because 
you sort of sometimes maybe in the past you would dismiss them as like boy band almost but actually did some brilliant stuff and he's got such an amazing voice and and it's it's good now that they're finally getting the credit and like yeah. Yeah. cited as influences for a lot of artists like yeah. you were saying keen and gold playing stuff yeah he's got a good range he can go up oh, to yeah. the falsetto pretty well can't he oh yeah crazy crazy voice so let's get back to the eaves now you were saying you were you were obviously writing and recording during lockdown yeah. there and that bore uh, fruit because you had a couple of uh hit singles there and you're playlisted by radio too so what was it like starting to hear the, the your singles on the radio amazing oh, still never forget that day when <laughs> I was crying all day, I think. <laughs> was, uh, she was actually pacing the floor like a pregnant lady. <laughs> we got we got texts and we didn't know. We obviously knew we'd put our song forward like every other song, you know, to, yeah. to hopefully be listened to and, and picked for something. But, you know, we're radio to, you know, I think, how many artists get playlisted each week? It's not it's many. It's not many, and you're competing yeah. against major label acts. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like you know, or six six people maybe get added to the playlist each week. Wow. Um, you know, the best of the best, all the big yeah. names and everything. So, um, it was a Monday morning. It was a Monday morning, because we'd put out a single brand new day, obviously, yeah. about a month before that, I think. Yeah, I think it was a month before we'd put it out. And then no 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 the first play the first play we got on the Monday after the Friday releasing yeah. it yeah right. right yeah so the playlist came later but the first play that we got on um is it Ken Bruce Ken Bruce Ken Bruce's yeah. show um, yeah. came in the morning because yeah we'd had quite a it was quite a busy weekend because we we charted in the iTunes chart and things like that and we'd been busy like mm-hmm. plugging it all weekend and. Um, Monday morning we were pretty tired but we started getting some texts in from friends and family saying you guys are going to be played on radio too we just heard <laughs> Ken Bruce say your name and oh, we were like no <laughs> brilliant so we're, yeah Caroline was pacing up and down waiting for it to come on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had to speak to my manager at work at my day job to say I can't physically or mentally function right now. I need to wait until my song's being played on the radio. And uh, she was like, it's fine, Caroline, just log off for two hours. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Seriously, just go and enjoy it. So um, uh, it was great. Yeah, that, was, uh, I, I think that, that was the best moment for me in our career so far. I sobbed. Oh, I yeah. sobbed and sobbed. As soon as mm. it was played, I just, I felt all of the years of hard work and trying and highs and lows mm. mm-hmm. just completely pour out of me it was just like yeah. oh it was just like such a release obviously we've had you know we've had loads of radio play over the years yeah. but it's always been on my bucket list to, to get yeah. played on radio oh. too it's always been my favorite station and yeah. yeah i think it's the most listened to station in the whole of the uk so yeah. you know that's it's a really it's a really big validation yeah no um, no when they pick you against, I mean, all the other amazing music out there and all the well-known people, mm-hmm. we're unsigned, yeah. you know, yeah. so shoestring budget and doing it ourselves yeah. and thanking God. So we didn't expect that when we wrote, it was a brand, it was brand new day. It was um, brand new day. We wrote that in lockdown. It was a two-chord trick, wasn't it? In, yeah. in the flat, yeah. In the flat, yeah, because I think we'd been rehearsing and then I was doing some noodling on guitar just to wind down at the end of the night and I was playing this little melody which is the start of Brand New Day as you hear it on the piano now but yeah, I was playing yeah. it on guitar um, and then Marisa um, was like what's that? 
And I was like, I don't know. I just made it up. She was like, play it again. And I played it again. And I played it again. And she was like, right. And the next thing, she's sitting at the piano. And then the day after, I went out for the day. I came back. And she'd written the song. It was like, it was all done. Oh, <laughs> it was like amazing. Yeah, they, they're the best kind of songs that just, they just come to you. It's like, yeah. it's almost like you can't remember. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you can't remember thinking of a lyric or thinking of a melody or anything like that. It's almost like they just come to you. Yeah. All of a sudden, and then all of a sudden you've got a song, and you think, how did that happen? Like, it's like somebody gifted it. sent to you. Yeah. 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 It's quite strange. I think so. Oh, no, it must be. Mm-hmm. Must be. Uh, it must be some feeling to actually to, to achieve that. So many people achieve that. You know, you've created it yourself, as you say, you're working on a shoestring budget, and you've managed to to achieve something major like that. And it's a great tune as well. I'm, I'm not just saying that to be thank polite. You, I remember you. when it came out uh, last year. I've seen it. Um, you posted it, uh, Caroline. And, well, let's give it a listen. Went, this is really good. I like this. Mm-hmm. Thank I you. Sharing that with friends. So yeah, no, it's. So here's yeah. to, to, to many more. So if you got any um, new stuff, I think the, the last song or last single was out in April. That so was Big Love, it? yeah. Big so love, that yeah. was Big Love. That was our first co-write that we released, actually. Um, so we did that work with Jim Duguid, who he wrote the first album of Paolo Natini, uh, yes. These Streets. So we wrote that with Jim um, and also Lewis Gardner. Did that, put it out. It got a couple of spins, I think, on Radio 2, on O.J. Borges. Um, show which was quite quite good and it's also now the anthem for Scottish women's football as well so they've adopted that as their oh, kind of official anthem for 2022 and 2023 league season so um, so that was the last one we put out and we had planned to put out a couple more singles this year but we've seriously not had a minute it's, no. it's been <laughs> mental it's just you kind of you get to a point where you're just like I can't we can't do everything you know when you're mm-hmm. when you're traveling like around the country and also having to keep up with other jobs as well because I mean, we both got other jobs and try to fit it all in it's just it's almost impossible sometimes but you know yeah. the touring's been great this year it's and been amazing. you know we'll get on releasing some new singles next next year definitely good well me, me and paul need to get along to to one of the yeah, shows yeah we'd love to uh, yeah, hopefully great. you'll be doing edinburgh at some point Hopefully, we yeah, we had hope for this side of the year, but we don't think that's going to happen just with the dates that we've got that are coming up. And um, so, yeah, I think I think it might be next year now. Okay. Yeah, is it because we'll Murrayfield Stadium's being used? Is it? <laughs> it's fully booked. Is it? <laughs> You've rumbled us. That's it. Rumbled. Yeah. <laughs> there must be rugby on it. it had to be. Uh, couldn't be anything else on that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, well. Um, before we get to the Madonna stuff, I'd be quite interested to, to know for, for each of you, what would you say are your top three musical influences? So maybe start with you, uh, Marissa. Oh, you've put me on the spot. Oh, yes. um, the mm. first one for me was Alicia Keys. Mm. Um, she came out, had recently just started playing piano, um, classical piano, and didn't really think about you know, singing alongside the piano, it was always just a kind of, you know, standalone instrument for me. And then when she came out, released songs in A minor, it just totally blew my mind because she was she was merging the two. She was merging the classical piano alongside the pop vocals. And it just like, that was it for me. That was kind of like a moment where I thought, yeah, I really want to, I want to do something here. And yeah. I would buy her p- piano books and I would learn all the, yeah. all the, all the parts to the songs and sing along and 
yeah so she kind of sparked it all off for me um i would say i'm quite a bit of an old soul when it comes to music i like a lot of the old stuff the beatles definitely a big influence for me um alongside stevie wonder Mm. uh, carol king you know all all the greats um I'm aware that I've mentioned more than three there. <laughs> that's all right. That's, that's, that's good to but, know where you're but coming they, But they, um, yeah, they definitely all influenced me. More recently, I would say um, artists like First Aid Kit, um, Jade Bird, uh, Leanne Le Havas as well. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. Nope. She is a really, really talented vocalist, probably one of my favourite vocalists of all time. Okay. Um, her alongside a Scottish artist called Tamzine. Um, both right. their vocals are just to me they're just perfection I just absolutely love them um, so if you haven't heard them definitely check them out we'll do that um, and favourite Beatles album <sighs> oh, I don't know I don't think I could choose I just I, I just think ev- not every song they produce is <laughs> amazing there's a few there's a few duds in there um, yeah. but yeah I just think their songwriting in terms of you know three minute pop songs i just think they can do no wrong as far as i'm concerned (laughs) over to you yeah what about you caroline um it's very hard to whittle it down to top three i'm i think what i'll do is i'll focus on bands that i got totally obsessed with like that i just bought everything they ever did Backstreet At some boys. point in my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So if we go way back, the band that we're talking about at the start of the show was Aha. That was the mm-hmm. first album I bought in tape cassette. It was the Hunting High and Low yeah, album. I played it non-stop. Classic. And I've bought a lot of Aha's material um, since then. So... They were probably one of the early bands that influenced me. I love synth and electronic music, and that's what really pulled me in. Um, then I was a Mad Erasure fan, so I've I've got umpteen vinyls, CDs, and CD singles. Um, just absolute pop perfection up until a certain point. I think at some point it started to tail off a bit, but they had that kind of golden spell. Um, from like the circus all the way mm-hmm. through to the Erasure album, I think, and the pop hits, and then I think after that it kind of just it kind of tailed away for me. Yeah. But I love that, and then probably getting into that singer songwriter vibe. It has to be Alanis Morissette in terms of just the rawness and the lyrics that she writes. And at that time that she was out, she was so original, and no one was like her. In terms of Jagged Little Pill, I think that's one of the best-selling debut albums of all time by a female artist. And so I think that sax I was totally obsessed with, but I've I've got such a wide range of acts that I love now, that I've loved throughout the 80s and 90s, like I think of Yazoo, I think Alison Moye, I think of Duran Duran, the Foo Fighters, Nirvana... BT as a dance electronica artist. I've I've got such a wide range. Eddie Reader, that's a wee bit more closer to home. So mm. it's yeah. very, very difficult to pin it down to three. So hopefully yeah. I've got away with that. 
<laughs> yeah, I think you got uh, 20. And of course, Madonna, you know. Madonna, yeah. <laughs> we'll chat about her later, though, eh? Eddie Reader, for sure, actually. I forgot about Eddie Reader. Yeah. I listened to that Dear John album. Oh, on loop. The Candy Flossy Medicine album. Oh, I love that yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, did you, Caroline, go and see Alanis Morissette's more recent show in Glasgow where she was doing Jagged Little Pill in its entirety? No, I didn't manage to go. Um, I, I have seen her live about, I think, about three times now, mm. three or four times. Yeah. But um, again, I feel like she hit the golden spot and I, I just think that it's not where it used to be anymore. So, but that's what happens, right? It's mm-hmm. got to dry up at some point. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard Except to sustain if you're that. You too, or the Beatles, or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, let's let's talk about Madonna then, and uh, between the four of us, what our level of fandom is, and what the and can we remember? I hate my phone. Oh, <laughs> um, and what our if we can remember what our first ever Madonna purchase was cassette, record, CD, um, whatever it might be. So Marissa, I'll maybe start with you. What's your kind of level of fandom when it comes to uh, Madonna? Um, I wouldn't say I was a particularly huge fan, but um, basically lived with our music right from being a tiny tot, you know, up until <laughs> fairly present day. So like I can remember singing along to, you know, some of our 80s hits just when I was a tiny little girl and you know, wanting to be her and thinking that she was, you know, amazing and stuff. So there's definitely a bit of influence there, but I wouldn't say I was a particularly massive fan. Um, and coming to your point about what uh, first, yeah, purchase, first purchase, I don't yeah, think I've actually pur- purchased anything of hers. <gasps> oh. Shame on you! And that's probably because <laughs> when she was kind of, you know, I, I think at her peak in, her, in, her, in the 80s, um, I was still quite young at that point and not really, I didn't have any, you know, I was too young to, to be buying stuff. And then I think yeah. by the time I got to age of buying tapes and CDs and things like that, it was all about the boy bands. It was take that, <laughs> you know, for me all the way in, you know, in the girl bands as well. So it was, so that kind of took my focus. Um, so I had, haven't actually purchased anything of Madonna's. Well, you kind of have since you bought Ray of Light for Caroline. So oh, that's true, actually, yeah. yeah. I'll take that. You can maybe you give did. you that one, yeah. You kind of have. You just gave it away. <laughs> also, I was going to say, even if you stole it from a shop, you've you've not purchased it, but you've still got it. <laughs> just... uh, uh, Paul, you try to say Marissa's a shoplifter. <laughs> This is great. You invite purchased people, it, but you invite people on your show. <laughs> show I think a vinyl record might be quite hard to sneak under your jumper. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think true. a cassette's a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. So, Caroline, what about you? I think my first purchase was a CD single, and I think it was "Open Your Heart." I think that oh. was my first purchase. Um, it was either that or it was the "Like a Prayer" CD single. So one of the two, um, I think back to, I would go up to HMV at the weekends in Virgin up in the town in Edinburgh. I would yeah. take my pocket money and I'd go up and I'd be browsing the CD singles for hours. Um, and I could like see this 
special limited edition CD singles that have got like six versions of the same song on it and everything <laughs> like that. So I'm sure it was either Open Your Heart or Like a Prayer. It was one of those two. Um, and my level of fandom is... Again, I kind of developed an obsession for a bit and I bought a lot of stuff. I bought a lot of singles and albums um, and read up on quite a lot of what she would get up to. Um, I have seen her live once as well. Um, I'll save that for later. Um, so I would say that my level of fandom peaked in the 90s, early 2000s. Then it was reinstated with the Confessions on a Dance Floor album. I was like, oh, she's still good. Um, and then from then on, I've kind of changed in my tastes and acts and more singer-songwritery type stuff. So, okay, medium. If we have to scale it, that would be medium yeah. fandom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul or brother Paul? Do I have to call you brother Paul tonight, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Sound like I'm a monk or something, brother, brother, brother Paul. Yeah. Uh, so my level of fandom, a bit similar to uh, ladies are saying there that probably late 80s, early 90s. And mm. I think I had that obsessed spell, maybe eight, I suppose being a teenage boy, and obviously Madonna was quite provocative. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, you've got your posters on the wall and, and then I remember going to see Dick Tracy Oh, yeah. Dick Tracy there. I really wondered where you were going. I know, that's not my nickname. Uh, so, yeah, going to see that and then getting the Immaculate Collection vinyl. Uh, that I think it was Christmas 1990. And then, and then buying, uh, like, uh, In Bed With Madonna, even though I was under 18. I think it was 18. <laughs> you Buying the video on HMB or something, and uh, so I. But I really liked her stuff even when I was younger. Before I bought music, I really liked her eighties stuff. And like I say, you're at that age as a teenage boy where, yeah, like I say, Madonna was quite provocative. <laughs> so uh, you know, she stirred something inside you, Paul. <laughs> she did, yes. <laughs> and he's, he's so, never been actually, the same since. Me and, me and, it's a true story. Me and my friends. It was around the time of the sex book, but this was a book that was done in the late seventies of her modelling, and there used to be a record shop in the Waverley Market called Quota. Yes, I remember and, it. Yeah, and I think it was near there. There was like a bookshop, and it had an old. It was old Madonna pictures. <laughs> uh, so we used to always go in there to get a wee, a wee look in the book, <laughs> Madonna's. Uh, <laughs> Pictures from before she was famous. So being teenage boys, we going have a So, uh, but going back to the music, yes. Moving swiftly along. I know, I know. This is almost like a confessional, isn't it? I know, I know. Uh, I didn't know so, this. Uh, so my first record I probably bought was either like a prayer or Macuot collection. And I just, I remember all the singles, obviously. But I have to say in the last 20 years, actually, I, I don't know, I, I don't like her as a person, I have to be honest. You know, mm -hmm. I just think, prima donna, no pun intended, you know. It's, it, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, for me, 
yeah, just yeah, up our own backside a bit, to be honest. But, mm-hmm. well, we're going to yeah. talk about our backside later on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <intended> and um, <laughs> so I think you're wrong about your first purchase. I remember you buying the Look of Love from who's that girl? You bought the twelve inch. That's right. So see, you know, you're better than me. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, for me, um, some I, I'm similar to you, Caroline, more of a casual fan. I don't own everything. Um, I've kind of dipped in, out, in and out over her career. Um, she obviously rose to prominence when I was first getting into music in the mid-80s, so she was just always been there. Mm-hmm. And I struggled to remember the first thing I bought. I love La Isla Benita. It's a brilliant yeah. song. I'm sure I got that on a compilation album at the time, so I didn't buy it. I think my first... Madonna purchase was probably 94 the Take a Bow CD single oh that's such a good album on the something mm. to remember album such yeah. a good album yeah so Take a Bow which is a brilliant song and I'm, I'm sure it was number one in America for weeks yeah. and weeks and weeks and here it was their first song not to go top 10 in what 10 years or something mm-hmm. yeah ironically enough one of our best songs and it was our first song not to go top 10 in the UK I know a great song good video as well really good video mm-hmm. yeah So it's time for us and our guests to get into the groove as we trim the top, the feature where we're all asked the same questions and have to answer them all in under three minutes. Let's hope nobody gets frozen in fear. (laughs) Are you ready, ladies and Paul? I think so. Okay, and we're off. So Caroline, describe Madonna in three words. Iconic, fearless and unique. Ballsy, fierce and creative. Controversial, shocking, talented. Okay, I mean, provocative, sexy, pop. Um, have you seen Madonna live? So I think, Caroline, you've already answered yes. Yes, it was the Confessions on a Dance Floor tour. I haven't, oh. no. On on TV, I've seen her. I've <laughs> <laughs> okay. seen her at a live concert, but not actually in person. Okay, I have uh, I have seen her live. I'll talk a bit more about that shortly. Uh, Favourite Madonna album? I think it's True Blue. Mm. Same for me, True Blue. I'll go for our follow-up, Like a Prayer. Yeah, Ray of Light or Like a Prayer. I'm going to say Like a Prayer. Uh, Favourite Madonna song? I think it's Like a Prayer. Yep. Like a Prayer. Okay. Yep. Papa Don't Preach. Papa Don't Preach, great song. True Blue. Uh, I'm going to go Lies Lab. Anita, Favourite Madonna Decade? 90s, 80s, 60s, 80s. I'm going, I'm going 80s as well. Uh, So what were you doing at the time of the album's release, which was February in 1998? I was studying accountancy at Napier University. (laughs) Rock and roll. Boring. (laughs) First year of high school for me. Working in Queen Margaret College. Okay, yeah, I was working at a, a talking of boarding, I was working at a bank in the centre of Edinburgh and about to move on to another role, which was infinitely <laughs> more interesting. And um, when and where did you first hear the album? It was the Frozen single that piqued my interest. I was watching MTV on the sofa with my dad. I bought the album from that point. Okay. I can't really remember, to be honest, but I think it probably was Frozen single as well. I remember right. the video one for that remaining. one particularly. Yeah. I think you had the album, didn't you, Stephen? I did, yeah. Yeah, that's when I heard. I, I had the singles as well, like Frozen and then Ray of Light as well. 
Yeah, I've probably first heard it in my car CD player. Uh, Favourite track from the album? It was close, but I think it's Frozen. Same for me. Ray of Light. Yep, Frozen for me. And your least favourite track on the album? Shanty, I think. Shanty <laughs> Ashtangi. Yeah, same for me as well. And you guys want to do a cover of it right now? <laughs> I'm embarrassed myself. <laughs> Me and Paul will do the instrumentation. Yeah, Get your bongos out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. 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 Um, yeah, I, I would. I would agree with that song. That, that I can't even pronounce it properly, so I'm not going to attempt. Yeah, I'm going to just that be say skin. Uh, album rating out of five. I'll give it a solid four and a half. I'm going for three and a half. I'll go for three. I'm going for four and a half as well. Before we move on, I just want to talk about having seen Madonna live. So you seen her on the confessions on a dance floor tour, Caroline. What was that like? And where did you see her? What venue was that? It was in Manchester. Um, okay. I can't remember the actual venue, but it um, it was huge. It was like a big arena thing, and uh, she had all the dancers, and they all had like the roller blades on or the roller skates, and we were all doing these like <laughs> flips and all the stuff they were doing up and down ramps, and mm. very very high energy. Um, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal, and I think. She also played guitar and stuff as well. Like she did be bits in the set that, well, you think it was her playing. I'd, I'd like to think it was her playing um, <laughs> and singing, um, sort of strip back stuff as well, which was really really nice. So yeah, it was a fantastic show. Yeah, I think you're lucky because for me that's her last great album. Yeah, Confession yeah. Dance Floor, really really good album. Like how all of the songs, it's all just one, you know. One song after the other yeah. there, all mm-hmm. links into each other, which is quite unique. Um, well, I got to see her at Muddyfield in 2012 or was it 13? And it is the most disappointing concert I've ever been to. Oh, no. Which was, Why? well, we kind of went into a previous episode on this episode 44 for those that want to listen to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to the specifics. But um, yeah, I think most people that went, found it disappointing and I think it was one uh maybe two or three different things one because of local restrictions she didn't do an encore so you missed out on a couple of really good songs mm-hmm. now uh, the, the show very much focused on the current album mm-hmm. of the time which was MDNA and it was predominantly done in daylight as well I always think the shows yeah. better at night with the, the lights and there was a lot of issues around ticketing at the time where it wasn't sold out. So yeah. the promoter, I remember that, the promoter decided to put on like a group on and so on. So people were getting really tickets for to sell, a fraction yeah. of the price, which mm. left a lot of people who, like me, who had paid should, 100 quid or something. Um, it, kind of a lot of people's noses were out of joint about that. And it was a shame because see when it was good, it was fantastic. For example, Like a Prayer. That was one of the best things I've ever mm. seen in concert when she done that and the whole crowd were singing along. So it was a shame when there was these kind of two or three highlights and it was brilliant. But um, I but suppose yeah, a lot overall. of those things that were, 
I suppose not that great. They were out with her control, like the sound yeah. restrictions and the lighting and the time of the mm-hmm. the concerts and stuff, because that'll all be organised by her management team and tour management team. And yeah. I feel a bit sorry for her that they started to offer tickets on Groupon. I mean, all of those things are external factors that mm-hmm. she's got nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's a real shame. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think I think at the time, obviously I wasn't there, Stephen, but you can, there was some... I think some people are quite hu- upset with her because did she not have like a pretend gun on stage or something? Mm. Yeah, yeah, there was. Some and I think there'd been a shooting, like at a school or something, mm. quite recently before that. So I think people thought it was a bit in bad taste. I think that that doesn't bother me. I mean, that's artistic mm. expression, and you know, mm. but yeah, just a, a kind of confluence of a number of different things, which just. Uh, uh, unfortunately spoiled it but uh, hey ho that's life <laughs> let's talk <laughs> about the, the the album itself and so maybe start with uh, so you're well versed in this album Caroline what do you think of it I think it's brilliant and actually I have to go back because obviously you asked me um, in the three minute section what your favourite album was and I said True Blue mm. which was actually possibly slightly controversial because I do love Ray of Light I just think with True Blue, it's got so, so many of the early hits that I think of really fondly. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard to pick the one album that you would want to play over and over again because there's been so many of them. But I think, you know, really, for me, was such an artistic departure for her. It was so different. Our voices never sounded as good yep. as it has on that album because I think it was on the back of the Avita. Um, voice coaching that she'd been getting before that so her voice it had a depth to it a depth and a warmth that you don't get in her very very early pop songs which are quite sort of high end and nasally at times so um, I thought just it was so different I think it really captured a mood a point in time a vibe that people really bought into Um, and that's why it kind of struck a chord with me yeah, what about you, Marissa? I don't know. Individual songs on it, it speak to me, but I don't think as a, as a kind of album as a whole, I don't know. It's it feels a wee bit experimental in places, and it just for me, Madonna is kind of all about the you know the really catchy songs. She's a catchy pop artist, and I think that was missed in some of the songs. Having said that, um, I think Frozen is probably one of her best songs vocally certainly um, and I think I would reiterate what Caroline said about the fact that she'd had extensive vocal training for Evita and then you can I think you can hear that put into practice in real light I would say um, mm-hmm. so yeah experiment, experimental in places but I think maybe what she was going for here was you know a mood and a kind of something a bit different that hadn't been done before um, so I would I would give that to her, but um, definitely not one of my favourite um, albums of hers. Okay. Paul, what about you? Yeah, I kind of agree there, what Marissa was saying, actually, because sometimes, in many ways, it's great because it's like her, in some ways, it's like a comeback album. Yep. Uh, but it feels, and that's the reason one of the reasons we do this podcast is because it feels like there's maybe too much. Well, there is, in my opinion, there's there's too much on it there's almost like too much variety where it just Mm. doesn't feel cohesive and I think 
the technology at the time, some of it works with her voice, but sometimes it feels like she's just trying to maybe cash in on technology available in 1998, 97, 98, whereas some songs it works, some it doesn't, some it makes it sound dated, that sound. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I do I do applaud her for having the balls to do that as well, I suppose, yeah. I think if you get to her level where she's had so, so many pop hits and albums before that, that you mm. get a bit bored doing the same thing mm. and you want yeah. to go down a different mm. track for a bit and you want to try things. And I don't think she's been purposely set set out to cash in on a experimental vibe working with the most recent person out there. Because I think mm. from reading about this, she tried writing with lots of people and lots of different folks on the production team and it just wasn't mm-hmm. gelling for her until mm-hmm. she got in tow with William Orbit and and I think the sounds on it now are obviously quite dated and when you hear the production back then it was obviously very limited. I think the better songs are the ones that have got the real instruments and strings yep. on them. Mm. Like your Frozen they're absolutely timeless songs mm-hmm. yeah. but the ones that have more technology on them are the ones that don't seem to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did read as part of the, the research, Caroline, that William Orbit did, didn't like to work with real instruments. He was quite yeah. happy with the computers and the synths and everything. Samples and that, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which, was, which was quite interesting. Um, but I, I agree with you, yeah, like the power of Goodbye, Frozen, where you do have that more traditional sound in tandem with the stuff that William Orbit brings to the table, work, work, work best, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, I think Madonna's always changed her sound and image from release to release. And, and, and I know from the time, I think she brought out uh, Bedtime Stories in 1994. And I think there was maybe a feeling in the public consciousness that maybe she was running a bit out of steam and people were getting a bit bored of her at that point. Because really, Madonna was in your face for what? 10, 11, 12 years by that point, mm-hmm. always something going on with her. So I think people were maybe tiring of, of her. So yeah, I think the best thing she done was she kind of took that little bit of time off. She did a Vita. Her voice improved with the coaching. She became a mum. And I think her mindset changed quite, quite uh, radically on the back of that. And I think then you had this, which was very much, I remember at the time, seen as a comeback album f- for her, mm-hmm. a make or break album for her. Uh, did she still have it? even though it's only a couple of years after the the, mm-hmm. the previous album. So it's arguably the most important album of, of her career. And and I think the part that she played fantastically was the image she conveyed with this, which really went very well with the, I, th- I think the album's got this kind of ethereal sound to it there. The lyrics are very much about um, looking back at your life and craving fame and the mistakes you've made and you know the pain that that fame has cost you and, and now moving on to this more the second part of your life with motherhood and you know finding real love and such like and I think that maybe chimed with a lot of her fans who were yeah. growing up with her who were moving into that stage um of their life there so I thought she'd done I think she played that beautifully along with these really, really yeah. strong set of songs. Uh, my only criticism of, or two criticisms of the album are, I think uh, where I agree with Marissa and, and Paul, it maybe 
perhaps ploughs that electronica sound a bit too much on it and maybe could have had more variety. For example, the Like a Prayer album or even True Blue, there, there is more variety of, of, of types of tunes on there. And I think a number of the songs on this outstay their welcome. Uh, I think, was it Skin? Does that really need to go on for six minutes? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. agree. Yeah. So I know. I know it was actually pretty unusual to see all the lengths of the songs on the album because you mm-hmm. wouldn't have that now. It's like no. songs are now pretty much half the time, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing either. I, I don't think music's in a great place at the moment and we're talking about the electronic stuff and all that, but everything's now electronic from from like even manipulating your vocals to samples of real instruments that are being used instead of people actually playing them and certainly that's a road that I think you have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. I think song lengths are for me I think that the song itself dictates how long the song should be. You know you can mm-hmm. listen to you know a Beatles song for example I think She Loves You I'm sure is like it's well under three minutes and for me, that's just perfect. You know, we've mm-hmm. heard the hooks, we've heard the lyrics, we know what the song's about. And by that point, when it ends, it's like, that's a great song. And usually pop songs are between three and four minutes. And for me, usually if a song goes on much longer than four and a half minutes, I'm kind of thinking, okay, you know, wrap it, wrap it up now. But there are always exceptions to the rule, um, I think. Well, I think a Radiohead and... The single they put out was was what seven and a half minutes with Paranoid Android, mm-hmm. or was it eleven minutes? I can't remember. No, it was, it was about seven, seven. It's it's pretty long. Genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. So yeah, so <laughs> I think you know, I think to be honest, it's up to her what she wants to do. Right? She's paying for this album to be done. She wants to work with who she wants to work with. She's expressing herself in her own way. The success that she's had good for her mm-hmm. <laughs> i think any any artist that can stay in the public eye oh. stay fresh and keep reinventing Absolutely. themselves i mean she's a wee bit Incredible. like she's a wee bit like david bowie in that respect I and mean, she just keeps reinventing herself yeah and coming back and being relevant again and i just think for anyone to do that for mm. that length of time is absolutely extraordinary i take my hat off to her Absolutely, absolute, absolute legend. What is the rest of the the album like? I mean, there are how many songs? Thirteen, something like that. Fourteen. Fourteen. But I only put thirteen on because thirteen's a lucky number. It is. Mm -hmm. How is it a lucky number? Thirteen is the age when um. That's why boys get bar mitzvah at the age of thirteen. By the way, that's the age when the soul gets completely like sort of solidified in your body when you come into your own. This is one of those Kabbalah things. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So you've been doing some spiritual searching. Yeah. Kind of. Mm-hmm. When this is done, and when the record finally comes out, it's been a long time since you toured. You yes. Touring I, you again? You know or? what? I really want to tour with this record because I just like love it. It has so yeah. much cool energy, and it would be great. Um, I just, if I have to sing like a virgin, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> well, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I know. I don't even want to sing Vogue, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, I feel like that's like a hundred years away from me. Um, so which songs are going to be cherished by the panel tonight? Which are going to be on the borderline of selection and which don't have a prayer? It's time to create the TTMF Supercut of Ray of Light. For this, for selection, we're including all 13 songs that featured on the original release of the album. 
So before we talk about the songs, let's talk about the album cover artwork. So what do we think? So Caroline, I'll maybe come to you first on that. I think it's very vibrant, very eye-catching. Um, I've done a bit of research on it, but I don't want to spoil it in case you want to chat about it. But um, oh, I think it's... It. No, so um, I think the photographer that took the photo was a chap called Mario Testini or something. Testino. He's what, Yeah, him. Yeah, him. Um, and apparently she had the shoot booked with him and by about two o'clock in the afternoon she wanted to wrap up she's like okay I'm done I'm tired I want to finish and he's like but I don't have the shots yet and um, basically had an argument with her to say no look you need to keep on going and it was the last shots that he took after that that ended up being on the album artwork and it's apparently a Dolce and Gabbana raincoat um, that she's got so I just I think it is really eye-catching it's really bold Mm -hmm. it's got blue all the colors of like air and water and stuff and I think her hair looks amazing in it and she just looks in the prime of her life like she just looks really radiant to me Uh yeah it was a it was a really nice really nice shot I think I like the kind of turquoisey blue um background and I thought it was a kind of satin shirt she had on, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a raincoat. Is it raincoat? It is, yeah. It's a plastic raincoat ah, or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Or silk, pajam- silk pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great shot. I think it's very cool. I'm I'm looking at it in a new context now. It's like rather than this uh, relaxed. And uh, I'm happy with life now. It's more she's I hate the photographer. Mm-hmm. She's got she's, that look in her eye, actually. She's like, hurry up! I want she my does, dinner. Doesn't she? Mm-hmm. I'm knackered. Yeah, I'm I'm knackered. Knackered. I want my yeah, dinner. I want my mince and patties. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a fan of it, um, Paul? I think it's a really good cover, actually. I, I love yeah. the color as well. It's like my mm-hmm. water bottle, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just really cool, and but it's almost like it's. It's maybe one of the first times she doesn't almost have to shock or mm-hmm. be controversial or be like really sexual. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's like because she's just looking there, she actually probably looks even sexier because yeah, she's understated. not trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not, you know, she actually looks the best she ever has, you know. More mysterious. Like she's confident. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes yeah, less is more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a really good point. It's um, I think it's it's totally on point with the the sounds and the lyrical content on the the album. I think it very much plays up to that rebirth, the Earth Mother, spiritual type type things, the blue um, mm-hmm. coloring scheme and such like. Just reflects a more mature, grown up, less provocative Madonna. So yeah, I think everything on you know around artwork is totally totally um, on point. First, we're going to go through the songs that definitely make the TTMS Supercut as at least three of the four of us have selected them. So where shall we start? Shall we start with track one on the album, which is Drowned World slash Substitute for Love? The face of you, my substitute for love, my substitute for love. 
Paul rather than ladies first. I'm going to go with uh, with you first. What do you think of this song? Yeah, it's a really good song. I'm more familiar with the singles uh, from the album. This is also one of them, but it's really good because it's almost like a, a medley almost, uh, two songs. But it's just quite nice and mellow and then just a nice way to kick off the album and just quite almost herald in a new era, almost like, you know, like starting a new sound and and then sort of fat, getting getting faster as the album goes on. It's a brave choice for an album opener, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. there is solo key. Normally you'd start an album with something that's really in your face and it grabs your, your attention. So it's, it's quite mm-hmm. brave in that respect. Uh, Marissa, what do you think of the song? Um, I like it. Again, it's, it is a slow one, but yeah. I still think the melodies are quite strong. Yeah, but possibly a, a strange choice for an opener for an album, but this album's not a kind of standard, I don't think. It does everything a wee bit differently. So, um, yeah, I, I still like it, even though it's, it's quite slow. I still like the melodies. I think I get where she was going by putting that the first on the album. Just starts off with that wee sample I think at the beginning it's like a sample of a film or some other song or something and then that kind of fades out and gets to her song. So there was that kind of level of intrigue to kind of pull you in at the start to go, what's this? Because this doesn't sound like Madonna. What's this? She's got this wee sample bit. And then she starts to sing and then when the, the sort of drums come in and you get into the groove of the song, you go, oh, there she is. Here she is now. And you're like, this was so different for her. And I think it really showcased our vocals on this song. I think she set out her stall at the beginning, I think, on this album to say, this is going to be different. This is how I'm going to sound on this album. So you better brace yourself for the rest of the album. I think that really set out the stall for that album. And I think it's a beautiful song. It's got gorgeous melodies. Um, And after I heard that, God, I wonder what the rest of the album's going to be like. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you managed to get, get into the groove in, in, in there as well. Did you mean that? I didn't even notice that. Didn't even notice that. No. Yeah, we, yeah. we should have done that. How many Madonna songs can we get into this? <laughs> we'll need to try and do that. Stealth. Yeah. <laughs> By Just stealth. Just need to open means. our hearts to it, you know. Very good. Now, you'll need a holiday after this show, won't you? Yeah, we'll move on. Um, but yes, I, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think I love the the relative simplicity of the song and the honesty of its 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 lyrics. Um, and really, uh, I think it's reading the lyrics. It's just about Madonna. I think seeing the error of her previous ways, craving superficial things, and now wanting some real, uh, tangible uh, love. And I think the 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 part at the beginning you may be talking about, Caroline, with, with yeah. the sample. Is I know that poet Rod McEwen and American singer Anita Kerr are credited as co-writers on this, as the song includes a sample of one of their tunes called "Why I Follow the Tiger." So it may well be that's that. It. I, that's I, I, exactly that. The yep. one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of facts in relation to the song. So yes, it was the third single from the album. It came out in August '98, uh, though it wasn't released in the US, and it became Madonna's seventh number one single in Spain of all places and according to Madonna is the most important track on the album um, she gave an interview to Q magazine at the time where she explained I realised and I've been realising this for years that the approval the, the headiness of being swept up and being popular and loved by people 
in universal ways is absolutely no substitute for truly being love. But but if you have to have a substitute, <laughs> it's about the best there is. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if you've really seen the, the error of our ways there. But yeah, we all picked <laughs> it. We all like the song. Uh, so it gets on the, the super Good. cut. So the second song, Marissa, do you want to pick a song to, to discuss? Um, I'll go for Frozen. Just because Frozen. it's probably okay. my Let's favorite. Go with one of the biggies. Your favorite, okay. Frozen, what do you like about it? I love the depth um, of her voice in this one. It feels um, mysterious and wise and emotional, and it's got a real darkness to it as well. I just, um, yeah, I think it draws. I think it draws you in. Whatever you're doing when this song comes on, it it really draws you in. And I remember watching the video as well and just being. This is the one with the the bird doesn't it the black bird yeah Yeah, raven yeah flying over and i I remember just watching it and thinking there's something just really mesmerizing about about it um yeah yeah it's just it's very different from from our our normal stuff but um it's catchy in a in a different way not in your standard catchy way but it's just just the darkness and the the broodiness of her voice and and what she's what she's saying it just really draws you in it's very, very simple. Yeah. There's not much in the way of instrumentation, but it doesn't need it. I like what you said there about uh, that she sounds wise. I hadn't really yeah. thought of that before, yeah. Caroline, you're a big fan of this as well, aren't you? It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of work. Like the string arrangement as well. It just oh, gives yeah. you absolute goosebumps. It's a, a very spiritual song and I think, you know, if you think of the chorus and that sort of ooh bit that that um, she starts the chorus off with, that's kind of like if you think of the theme of the album and where she was at that time in terms of finding herself. She was into yoga, she was into Kabbalah, um, she was into Hinduism and Buddhism, and you hear that kind of almost chant in the chorus, which it was a sort of nod to that, I think, yep. as well. And I, I just thought it was a really beautifully yep put together song and I don't think there's anything like it out there. It's it's a gorgeous song. And the video, like you say, I mean, that's what went and pulled me into the album in the first place, you know, sitting on the sofa with my dad. We, we both sat in silence, just watching MTV and it went and came on and we didn't speak a word. We watched the whole thing. And then we just looked at each other afterwards and I was like, wow. He was like, that's good. So um, definitely up there. I think is one of the best songs out there. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. I I think the the video, uh, it just made perfect sense to have it set in a desert. I'm just thinking of things like Lawrence of Arabia and so on. It just has that. And I think you're talking about mystical themes and such like and the epicness, the grandeur. 
absolutely just uh, but totally backs that up doesn't it um paul now i remember paul you bought the cd single and i so i've got fond memories of this song because i remember me and paul were still living at home at the time mm-hmm. and i remember you'd bought the cd I, I hadn't heard the song and paul had the cd single i remember walking past his bedroom and the door was shut and i'm going that sounds fantastic. And I went, sounds like it's Paul singing. Madonna singing, but it doesn't sound like a song. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like a Madonna song, really. And I'm like, oh, is that what is that? Oh, it's Madonna's new song. I'm like, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, anyway, Paul, what do you what do you like about yeah, it? Yeah, it's a brilliant song. Just yeah, like the video as well. I could almost imagine it being in a musical, actually, mm, you know, and maybe definitely. that's because obviously Vita was done a couple of years previous to that. But it's just really atmospheric in the video with the raven. And my favourite bit in the song is when it sort of stops and you hear the orchestral bits in it and it comes back and that's my favourite bit. It's almost like a music. It's a bit like a kind of nineties, late nineties Kate Bush. That's what it makes me yeah. think. A wee bit, yeah. mm. sort of theatrical side to it and everything. Like in a, in a good way. I think it's a brilliant song, definitely. And it's a real intent, like signal of intent for a comeback for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a um, couple of facts in relation to it. So Bernardo Bercellini's film The Shelter in Sky inspired Madonna to to write it. It was the lead single from the album. And it came out in January 1998 and it reached number two in the US and Canada and was a number one hit year in uh, the UK. Um, and in 2003, Madonna fans were asked to vote for their top 20 Madonna singles of all time by Q magazine. And Frozen got the number 10 spot. In the 2000s, they also made a film of it as well. <laughs> uh, the animated film. go. Did they? Yeah. Let it go, Paul. Oh. Let it go. You talking about oh, actual frozen. Oh, <laughs> you, oh, you had me Sorry. there. <laughs> Sound like an idiot. Now. Did they? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was just so in the moment of the song. <laughs> I know, I know. I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. It. <laughs> Sucker, that's me. Uh, I did, I did wonder where you were going with that, Paul. To be fair. Yeah. Like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant song. For, for me, it's my favourite song on the album, and I think it's one of Madonna's uh, greatest ever songs. Uh, yeah, we all picked it, and it gets on. Uh, Caroline, do you want to pick a song from the album to talk about? Oh, I've got two that I could talk about, but one I'll talk about because I feel like it doesn't belong on the album, but I still like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing really matters. was I think that was yeah. the last single that was released off the, the album and I think it was the least successful in terms of yeah. chart place. I don't think it got to 90 something. But um but it was played everywhere and I remember this. It was on constantly mm. all the time and it was 
massive in clubs. It was always remixed mm. for clubs yeah. and club nights. And for for me, if you hear the drum beat and where that song goes, it belongs on the Erotica album. It doesn't belong on Rate of Light. But it's still a really Great. good song. Agreed. It's just actually with um, re-listening to the album recently, uh, I would agree with you. It sounds more like something that, yeah, from 92, 93, 94, that kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the song you were hearing? Type it, was, sound? it was like a slow-down version. It was like version. deeper and deeper. It's yeah. like a slow-down version oh, yeah. of deeper oh, yeah, and yeah. deeper. It's, it's, it's yeah. that same kind yeah. of drum beat. And it yep. wouldn't surprise me if it was a song that didn't actually make the cut mm-hmm. on those albums and then like they reimagined it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Did you, you did you ever uh, shake your booty to it at Century 2000, Caroline? Plenty <clears> times. <throat> it was probably more so, uh, I want to say Shark. Because <laughs> it was 98, right? So I'd have been at my height of my student days. So Shark at the Cav on a Wednesday night. Um, oh, yeah, Shark student night. Yeah, oh, uh, it was probably there, but... Um, it's a great song, I have to say. I bought it on CD single. It's a great song. Lots of remixes, but I think the least successful from all the singles that she put out from that album. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Uh, I know I certainly uh, probably drunkenly danced to essentially 2000 <laughs> back in the day, or attempted to dance to it back in the day. Um, <laughs> Marissa, where, where are you with this song? What do you think of it? Um, It's not one of my favourites. Um... I'm not really a massive fan of that kind of, I don't know how you would describe um, the style. Old school um, banger? Yeah, I don't know. There's something like the club style. <laughs> yeah, the there's something yeah. about the instrumentation that I'm not yeah. I'm not a big fan of. Um, yeah. I can't quite put my finger on it, but... I think it's a 90s kind of clubhouse thing. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're not mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. that too mm-hmm. much. Yeah. So it made your cut, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not your favourite. Paul, sorry, you, you agree with Melissa? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it just feels a bit, it's a good song, but it's just a bit, and it's good for what it does, I suppose, if you think about clubbing in the 90s, but it just feels a bit flat for me, just like, there's no substance mm-hmm. to it. It's just mm-hmm. quite flat, but it's good for what it does, of course, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's but yeah, not one of my favourites. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I actually liked it more when it became a single. When it was on the album, mm. I kind of tended yeah. to, I never skipped it, but I was like, mm, yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. But then I think you took more notice of it when it became uh, a single. And I had that weird video, remember that one, with the where she dressed as a, a Isha in red? And I had that kind of yeah, weird, I'm not, I'm not going to replicate yeah. it. And the weird head like, movements and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kind of, like a horror yeah. movie type thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. I can't do, do, do. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, was released as, as you said as the fifth and final single from the album in March 1999 and it remains Madonna's lowest entry on the Billboard Hot 100 peaking at number 93 <laughs> um, although it was more successful elsewhere reaching number one in Hungary and Spain and entering the top 10 in countries in, including Canada, Finland, Iceland, Italy, New Zealand and here in the, the UK um, and in um, Interview Magazine in 1998, Madonna said the song was inspired by her relationship with her daughter, Lourdes, who was then just two years old. And she explained, she doesn't know about me being famous. She hasn't got a clue. And it's completely unconditional love, which I've never 
uh, knowing because I grew up without a mother. I mean, I did have a father, but I think that the love you get from your mother is quite different. So there you go. So um, that we all picked that one. Uh, so let's move on to our fourth track. Paul, do you want to pick one? I'll, I'll, prob- I'll go a free of light, actually. track okay so you've always liked that one so yeah mm. tell us why it's just really it's almost like the precursor to uh what you call it uh beautiful stranger from like mm. the austin powers film because mm-hmm. that's like for me that's one of our best songs yeah and they were quite close yeah they were quite close in in time when they were recorded or when they were released anyway and so it's just kind of, but it's a good example of using technology, but it works well. It's like it's current, yeah. but it's mixed with Madonna's, like, her talents. So it kind of mixed well. It's aged well. And it's just like she's just, have it, I like the video as well. It's almost like she's just, maybe the first time she's not taking herself too seriously because sometimes it feels like she does take herself too seriously. Mm. Whereas in the video, she's just like sort of, dancing around like she's at a karaoke bar or something uh it's just a really good song and it when i think of that the album and that obviously it's a it's a title track but you can't think of uh the album without thinking of that song mm-hmm. and and the way she looks and and the cover of the album as well so it was a ray of light for me at the time <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm so pleased uh, marissa you like this one as well don't you yeah, I love that one. It just um it's just it feels free as a song. Whenever I listen to it, I feel free. And I don't know if that's just yep. association with where I was in, in my life and my you know, my childhood. Um I just remember my, my brother, whose ages were Caroline, um, just playing it on repeat. Playing it, playing it, playing it, playing it. We used to play it before he went out clubbing. And um <laughs> yeah, it just it just evokes nice memories for me and nice um yeah i just feel free when i listen when i hear it i just i think of nice times yeah same for you caroline do you know what no i'm gonna be completely yeah i am probably gonna (laughs) speak against popular opinion on this but um just to touch on one of the points that paul said that he feels this one's kind of more timeless and it's it's got that really good kind of vibe to it and i think I think in large that's possibly down to there's quite a lot of real sounding instrumentation with the guitar mm. at the beginning and that kind of flows throughout the track and I feel that if you have got any live instruments on your track that that will certainly help to not date yeah. the song. Um, Definitely. But um, I think for me, controversially, it would be the single I'd always skip past because I like darker 
songs. I mm-hmm. like the ballads. I like Frozen and The Power of Goodbye, which we'll probably get to later on. Um, and Substitute for Love were my top three. I like a wee angst-ridden, dark <laughs> tune that's got a beautiful, epic chorus. Um and a lovely bridge that takes you there. So for me, real light was just a bit too obvious for me. Yeah, it was upbeat. It was a kind of people pleaser, upbeat and happy. And I think it's a great song. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't speak to me as much as the darker ones did. Okay. Yeah, for for, for me, it's a great song. I think it's my favourite song on the album, After Frozen, and I'm kind of with Marissa and Paul in this one. I think it's just full of, of energy. And I think you can just put this on and immediately feel energized and, and uplifted. And I think vocally for Madonna, um, in parts, it's, it's quite daring. Um, <clears throat> I think especially towards the end, I think it's four minutes, 24, she, uh, where, where she repeats Anna Feel. She does this growly version of it. I'm not going to try and repeat it because when I do, I sound like I'm something from the Exorcist movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He does it, it sounds great. You know, when I do it, it's like... It's a Yoko Ono. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I think that that's great. You don't really hear, hear her doing that. And the final one, and I feel, where she just kind of screams off into the distance like the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It was just kind of letting loose a little bit uh, which I don't think she's really done anything like that before which I really like but it was a hugely successful track uh, for her um, reaching number one in Greece, Spain uh, and actually here in Scotland Um, it was nominated for three Grammy Awards winning two for best dance recording and best short form uh, music video and the the Yuna Kakerlin music video for the song won five awards at the 1998 MTV Music Awards and the the biggest thing, I only ever found this out in the last couple of years, that the song is based on a 60s English folk duo's song. Uh, I think the duo are called Curtis Maldoon and their song Seferin. Uh, so they actually do have a writing credit on this. And when right, you do okay. listen to the song, uh, check it out. It's like, my God, it's Ray of Light. From from oh. the, the word go, right, boom, the, the verse. Mm. It's crazy. So I don't know how they came across that tune. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was uh, a big part in its uh, construction. So, Caroline, you mentioned the power of goodbye. So yes. I think we'll go with that one. There's nothing left to So you are obviously a big, big fan of this. We all picked it. Tell us what you you love about The Power of Goodbye. It's just a beautiful pop ballad. Um, Sums up the kind of Madonna power ballads over the years. Just, I I just think the instrumentation was quite subtle on this album. Um, To suit the song as opposed to William Orbit, being William Orbit, I think he did kind of what he needed to on this single and 
I just think it's beautiful. Um, it's quite a searching song. It's quite spiritual, haunting. It was my favourite after Frozen, I think. And it's it's just got the chorus that gives you goosebumps. And, um, and then the middle eight where it breaks down and then you've got the strings coming in again. It's just absolutely stunning arrangements. Um, and I just love music like like that and I suppose that that song's maybe shaped a lot of my songwriting going forward as well I don't know whether you mm, see any flavors definitely. of my songwriting but um definitely there's been so many songs that you've written that could ease you know like I hear it and I think wow that could easily have been a Madonna song the melodies and the kind of the structure and yeah. the form to your songs definitely yeah there's definitely been a massive influence yeah yeah, sure. I agree with you yeah. on the I think the strings that kick in after think after the second chorus when the mm-hmm. strings take over. Yeah. Fabulous. I did tease who did the strings. Um, don't know if anybody knows, but it was um, Scottish film composer Craig Armstrong. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Excellent. There we go. So a good old Scott uh, was uh, doing those uh, sweeping mm-hmm. strings, which is which is great. But they are fantastic on this song. Uh, Marissa, you like the song as well, don't you? Yeah. Again, I like. I think the way I did my cut on the album was I kind of um, I just took my least favorite ones. That which which were easy enough to to cut off, um. But this is, you know, this is definitely um. It's one of the, it's one of the best songs on the album, I think. Um, just another great ballad, from her yeah. again. Nice tone, nice depth to her voice, um. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a completely different vocal, um, to any of her, you know, eighties and nineties stuff. I guess. Yeah like anybody your your voice actually does lower mm-hmm. as you get older um so when you listen to you know some of our early stuff it's you just wouldn't really recognize <laughs> no her as a vocalist <laughs> um and i think it's nice i think you get some really nice warm tones in these ballads coming through yeah agreed uh paul you you like this a lot as well didn't you yeah it's quite similar to frozen but to me it sounds a bit like a I can imagine hearing that in a church. Just the sound, it's like a hymn almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got that real atmospheric, almost like could be in a musical as well. And quite emotional as well. And it's almost like I could imagine her maybe singing that in the 80s, but like at a faster tempo and it'd be more poppy. But mm-hmm. this one's a bit more somber, a bit more meaningful maybe. But yeah. yeah, very good. Really good song. I love the orchestration as well yeah it's maybe for me the most traditional sounding madonna song on the the album and i think it just showcases how good a writer she is of finely crafted uh pop tunes and 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 i think the acoustic guitar on it 
maybe points the way to where she would go with the next album, Music, where there was a lot of acoustic guitar on that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's maybe a good indicator of of where she was going. But yeah, the strings in it are absolutely wonderful. Love it. Um, but yeah, this was written with uh, US songwriter Rick Knowles. It was released as the fourth single from the album in September 98 uh, in the UK, which I actually don't remember. It was released as a double A side with uh, Little Star, which I had completely forgotten. Uh, and it did reach the top 10 in over nine countries, including Austria, Germany, Hungary, Iceland, Spain, and the UK. While in the US, it reached number 11, becoming Madonna's 37th top 20 hit, which is just... 37th. I mean, isn't 37th. Isn't that mental? 37th now, top 20 hit. I think you said, so she co-wrote that one with a chap called Rick Knowles, you said mm. there. I think, didn't he write a lot for Belinda Carlisle? On That's the right. Heaven as a Place on Earth album, and uh, right. didn't he write um, "Leave a Light On" and things like yep. that? I'm sure he did. So um, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, I was looking looking him up today uh, because he is one of those guys where oh, I'm sure I've seen a writing credit on this and on that and on this, mm-hmm. and the guy has uh, as a writer sold millions, mm-hmm. multi millions. So yeah, he's, he's some writer. Um, but yeah, great, great tune, great tune. So um, let's go with another unanimous choice, which is the second song on the album called Swim. We can is the, the one with the kind of what sound like dolphin or whale noise yeah. um, on it. Uh, so yeah, second track on that album. Maybe I'll come to you first for uh, your thoughts, Caroline. I think what was nice about that one was the kind of grungy guitars. She had like the grungy, crunchy guitars yep. at the start and it was it was just a bit darker than your normal Madonna song. It was more indie. There was an indie vibe to it. Um you know, and whilst it's not a a single per se, it was an earworm. Like the song would just keep mm-hmm. going round and round and round in your head. So uh, again, different, a bit darker than your normal Madonna song. Um, I liked the guitars. I liked it was a little bit different with that, um, and an interesting title as well. Swim is. It's all lovely titles on it, like, you know, all the singles like Frozen and The Power of Goodbye, Swim. They're all quite spiritual mm, sounding and yeah. water-based yeah. and things and right. just lovely. So, yeah, <clears throat> I think I think that's definitely one of the more indie fusion ones that was on the album. Yeah, agreed, Paul. Yeah, quite similar. It's almost like when I was saying the first... The first song, Drowned World in Substitute for Love, it's quite mellow and slow and it feels like it's, it's almost like she's hiding behind the curtains and then this song comes on and she comes out from behind the curtain almost like yeah, a concert. <laughs> Ta-da! I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, so I sort of think of it like that. But yeah, 
but quite good because it's different and it's more up, up tempo as well. And so yeah, good, good song. Okay, Marissa. Yeah, I don't have a, a great deal to add to that. Um, yeah, just that. Yeah, it's it's quite upbeat and you know some nice catchy wee melodies going on there, which I love in a song. Um, but yeah, nothing more to add. Okay, it's so at the the beginning of the song, it's actual uh, real wave sounds at the beginning of it, um, and yeah, I mean I, I like this, I like the guitar um, at the beginning, as you say, Caroline. I like the whole vibe of it. You know, swim to the ocean floor, and you're kind of hearing, if you like, what what she's hearing as she's swimming down to the ocean floor. So things like yeah. whale sound and so on. And I think in that chorus, it's a bit more of that chanting type thing that is used in the chorus of Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, so which which is great, but um, yeah, and I, I think it really just speaking about past negativity and and try and move on in our life to more positive, better and uh, bigger things. So yeah, good tune. This is Eric Paul Johnson from Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast, and you're listening to Trimming the Musical Fat. Oh dear, that wasn't my fat I trimmed. Madonna's top 10 selling physical singles are at number 10, Frozen with 2.35 million copies sold. At number 9 is Music with 2.4 million copies. At number 8 is Who's That Girl with 2.5 million copies. At number 7 is Crazy For You with 2.7 million copies. At number 6 is Vogue with 2.8 million copies. At number 5 is Like A Prayer with 2.9 million copies sold. At number four is Into the Groove with 3 million copies. Number three is Lies La Bonita with 3.2 million copies. Number two is Papa Don't Preach with 3.3 million copies sold. And the number one selling single for Madonna worldwide is Like a Virgin with 4.4 million copies sold in physical sales. Next one, I'm maybe going to go with one which gets on to our supercut. But not everybody picked it. So I'm going to pick Little Star. My song, you make my spirit whole. Never forget who you are, Little Star. Shining brighter than all the stars in the sky. Never forget how. And one person didn't pick it, Caroline. <laughs> so why so did this make it up for you? <laughs> I don't know. Like the song's got quite a lot of drum and bass elements to it. It's really catchy, right? It's really, really catchy. And ever since I listened to the album last night, it's been the one song that's laid <laughs> in my head. But it's just. It doesn't make me feel anything. A song has got to make me feel something like going back to swim there and why I kept that in because you could almost kind of be sitting listening to that song with your eyes closed, your headphones on and you could be in the ocean swimming. It takes you there. 
where his little star I just think, you know, it was a song for a wee girl, wasn't it? And it was, yeah. uh, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. It, I mean, it's so infectious and catchy. I'm not a major fan of drum and bass. I think that maybe put me off a little bit, but um, okay. nah. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan either. It only just made the cut right. <laughs> for Aww. me. Yeah, Poor no, little I just, star. I feel like it just doesn't really, I don't know, it just feels a bit, I don't know. It just, it, yeah, like Caroline, it doesn't stir any particular emotion. It kind of leaves me a bit cold, a bit, I don't know. It just does, it doesn't really go anywhere for me. Okay. I think Paul, it's a production. Paul. It's quite light production, right. isn't it? Mm. There's no yeah. real hook to grab onto on that song, apart from the chorus. But, like, you know, normally you have, like, a guitar hook or you have a, like a mm-hmm. beautiful string arrangement or something. I, I, I just didn't think this song kind of carried as well as the rest mm, of them. Yeah. Nothing to latch on to. Okay, yeah. Paul, are you, are you going to save Little Star? Make it a big star? I'm trying, there's, there's what because I'm not as familiar with the non-single uh, album tracks that I don't know if this is a song, there was one that reminded me of a song on uh, like a pair called uh, till death do us part mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm getting it mixed up but there's one song that reminded me of that but this was like a sort of like different uh, what almost 10 years on using different technology but I might have the wrong song to be honest but it was one mm-hmm. of the songs that I, that I chose and I chose this one Okay, well, I'm going to go up against Eve's here. I think this is one of the best songs on the album for me. <gasps> wow! <laughs> I mean, what what do you like? Chart hit radio song played. Ladies know about music like. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly not what? as much, um, you know, you know, as Madonna does. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I actually really like the song. And I think a lot of that just comes from the, the lyrics. And uh, yes, it is very much directed at our daughter there. And I just think that's quite sweet. <laughs> so, And it actually has my um, favourite part um, or favourite bit that happens on the album, which is it goes very James Bond theme-like at 2 minutes 45. <laughs> where, where it goes uh, after the second chorus and the strings kick in it's, it shows you know me angels protect you and sadness forget you little star um so it suddenly goes james bondy for 15 um 20 20 seconds there um, and that's probably why it gets in my cup It makes it. <laughs> it makes it <laughs> by the skin of its teeth. Madonna's top ten selling albums are at number ten, I'm Breathless, 
with 6.7 million copies sold. At number 9 is Bedtime Stories with 6.8 million copies. At number 8 is Erotica with 7.5 million copies. At number 7 is Confessions on the Dance Floor with 9.3 million copies. At number 6 is Madonna's debut album with 9.6 million copies. At number 5 is Music with 10.7 million copies. At number 4 is Like a Prayer with 14.2 million copies. At number 3 is Ray of Light with 16 million copies. Number 2 is Like a Virgin with 21.2 million copies. And Madonna's best-selling album is True Blue with 22.5 million copies at number 1. Hey everyone out there in the podcasting world, this is Wide Screen. This is Sam Wiles, you are listening to another episode of the Truing the Musical Fact podcast. Let's go with another one which wasn't unanimous and we'll maybe go with Candy Perfume Girl. Oh, you did not pick Candy Perfume Girl. What do you not like about the girl? We have a look. Candy Perfume. <laughs> do you remember yeah, the Candy just, Perfume Yeah, girl? so that's the poor one. Uh, <laughs> I thought the Perfume Girl was just, a, she was just, a, it was just a bit boring, just a bit monotonous. Just, yeah. <laughs> Is that your, your mic drop moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the per the our perfume didn't smell nice. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. Caroline, are you going to explain to him why he's uh he's maybe incorrect? Well, to be honest, if I had to cut another one off, it would be that one as well. But um, again, See, right. it was again, it's one of those ones where it's still infectious though you still remember it you still sing along to it again it's got that kind of indie sort of grungy guitar at the beginning and you think oh yeah she's a wee bit different again she's got the guitars out again and it's it's just a bit it's very lo-fi it's very low-key um and i just think it's really catchy and really hooky um again no it isn't my favorite and it probably came close to being chopped, but but it made the the stay. So okay, mm, yeah, not my favourite either. The fragrance but... stayed with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, not my favourite either. But I think um, it made it through on the strength of the melody and the earworm factor for me. Yeah, I'm 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 the same, uh, the same as uh, the same as you guys. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just really like the guitar, that soul electric guitar um, on it, which I think is really good and like, great drums as well. Uh, and, and actually, the, the, some of the lyrics on it are really good. I think the first verse I wrote down here, 
Young velvet porcelain boy, devour me when you're with me. Blue wish, window seas, speak delicious fires. Make from that what you will. <laughs> but it sounds nice. Do you be... know, I give myself a hard time over my lyrics, but I shouldn't yeah, worry, I know, should I? Yeah. That could be one of those songs. No, remember, worry. you used to get a, you used to get a, um, like an old um, sweetie tin or something like that, and you'd cut up individual words, and then you yeah. just make a song yeah. out of individual. That just sounds like one of those to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. She's just gone for yeah. it. <laughs> me when you're blue, wish, window seas, speak delicious, speak delicious fires. It's like some of you getting a, a chain mail letter or something. Yeah. I even yeah. the post. Yeah. You feel like you sent me this. Yeah. What does like, it what's mean? That Very cryptic. <laughs> it's like, uh, I re- I, uh, people might not remember it, but three, two, one, dusty bin. It's like trying to decipher one of the riddles. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like that. They were shocking. Yeah, you know, it's like what? Yeah. Um, catchphrase. The, the catchphrase. Yeah, there is a, a really good bit in the song about two minutes forty, where it has the very short instrumental break and it has a Beatlesque type uh, keyboard type thing on it, which is mm. a very fleeting, which is really, really quite nice. Before everything kicks back in, the guitar is very much high in the mix, which is really good. One more song which made it onto our supercut, and that song is another album track. It was track seven on the album, which is Sky Fits Heavens. Um, the only person not to pick this one was Marissa. Sky fits heaven. Yeah, I mean it was energetic, but it just yeah, just it didn't it didn't hook me in as much no. as the other ones that made the cut. I I think I always go on a melody for a song, and it just didn't, the melody didn't really grab me. Okay. So it was boom thrown in the bin. Uh, <laughs> Caroline, you a bit a bit more of a I fan would, of it. I would disagree. I, I think. I think the chorus melody is absolutely smashing. What I think right. let that song down was the actual production. Mm, there was too much, right. too much going on at any one yeah. time. There was the drums. There was like it was just it was an assault too much on the ears. Over production on that uh, song, and I think if you strip it back, like see if she had to do an unplugged album, I'd love to see Madonna do like a big unplug series. Um, I, th- I think that song would be really good. It's got a lovely chorus. It'd be lovely just to strip that back acoustically. It <laughs> just gets lost. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking of erotica on the acoustic guitar. Erotic butchery. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're saying strip them back and just imagine her singing. Or just find my love. Wanting, needing. Oh, you could justify. On the acoustic guitar. <laughs> you know what, though? I reckon it would work because, like... Yeah, yeah. Seriously, watching the unplug sessions, right? You've got orchestras mm. now, so you've got like string yeah. orchestras. Mm. You've got the acoustic bass, acoustic guitars. If you watch Aha Unplugged, yeah, and they did brilliant. a song with Lissy, 
as well. Like mm. that sort of feel. I'd love to see Madonna do that at some yeah. point in her career. Yeah. And I can't understand yeah. why she's not done that yet. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Oh. Steady on. <laughs> is, it, is there a controversial no more. comment Be coming gracious. up? I'll say no more. Be gracious, but um, I, yeah, I I think uh, Sky Fits Heaven is a a good song, but I think the production ruins it. Okay, there is a lot going on. I think that's that's fair to say. Um, and there is there is a good drive to the the song. I like the chorus the best. You know, traveling down this road, watching the signs as I go, um, <clears throat> which is good. Um, there, w- there was a remix of the track by Sasha and Victor Calderon, which was released as a promo single in October 1998, which I didn't know uh, know of there. Uh, and the song was a co-write with longtime collaborator Patrick uh, Leonard. And, and something that I found out today, which was quite interesting, the elements of the lyric are taken from a poem by uh, called What Fits by poet Max Blagg. And that poem was first used in a Gap advert in 1992, which Madonna liked, and she actually paid Black uh, to use some of uh, the, the, the poem in the song, but to not get a writing credit for it. Oh, oh that's a bit controversial. I know, so he got paid, but he didn't get a writing credit. It is weird, isn't it? Mm, depends how much she paid him, though. Well, that's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll give you $2 million, but you don't get that would take a couple of million dollars. I would take that any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if Madonna came knocking on your door, asking you something <laughs> like that, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. Let's give me a tenner, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you. I'll take your money. And uh, by the way, why are you not doing an unplugged? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> you're not that, asking you that, are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to hear Marissa's controversial comments on why Madonna will not do Unplugged. I think um, some, maybe something she would have done earlier in her career. But I think yeah. more recently, um, I don't I don't think her vocals are strong enough. Because I think if you do an Unplugged, you really, it's all about the vocals and the strength mm-hmm. of yeah. them. And yeah, I just don't. I don't think it would stand up. Um, from yeah. from what I've heard, I mean, I haven't heard her do anything like that recently. But from what I've no. heard, just in performances that she's done, um, I've not been too impressed with the vocals. And I don't know if that's just you know because they do decline with age. You know that yeah. is a thing. But you got to remember when she's doing her vocals, she's dancing. She's got people yeah. dancing around her. She's getting lifted in the air. Absolutely. She's getting hoisted by her cape. Like I get there's all these things happening. You know, if she was like sitting and trained up yeah. for it and had backing singers with yeah. her strings, I think you know. I, I don't know. I, I do. I do take your point. Like I couldn't dance and sing at the same time, but I have to say, even before she started dancing. You know, sometimes like the first twenty seconds of a song or something, you're thinking, yeah. "Ooh, not yeah. not great." But I will give her the benefit of the doubt because sometimes when you're on stage at these big productions, you can't actually you can't hear yourself. Hear you something hear goes wrong. Maybe something went wrong with her inner ears or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she's she's kind of gone like up and down vocally in her career. I think I don't think she's ever been known as being the the strongest vocalist in the world but then when you do listen yeah. to you know frozen and and, and songs like that you know our, our song does our voice does sound you know like it's got a lot of depth 
Yeah. Um, I just I think maybe her pitching lives never been her strong point, and okay. I think that would let her down in a in a live and unplugged. Scenario. I just have to defend her to say that the amount of production that she's got to deal with, the vocals are probably the last thing on her mind. She's probably trying to listen to all the music that's going on in her ear monitors. She's got so many songs. She's probably trying to remember all the words. She's got dancers all around her. She's in stadiums. She's in stadiums with people. It's so hard to hear anything. I mean, you know what we're like doing yeah. outdoor festivals. It's awful. It's the sound is awful at outdoor festivals. You can hardly hear yourself. I think if she had an opportunity to do an unplugged and to really put in the work to do that, I think it would be a really beautiful set. She's got so, so many amazing songs. Mm-hmm. She could choose any, like, 15 to 20 songs off her entire back catalogue, pick the right ones and mm-hmm. go for it. I think it would just be a nice way for her legacy because it's it's, it's just pop, 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 pop. I want to mm-hmm. hear the songs, like the root of some of those songs that are so hidden under all the production. Yeah. Like, actually, there's a cracking song there. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why do you think she's never done something like that? Because... You know, generally artists, if they're that famous and you know they've got so much of a following, they will take and they will be asked to do these opportunities to do bro- broken down things, and and she's never really done that. Maybe I mean, she I'm just feels that she's not done it. But has she not, like done it? I'm not even researched to see she's done it. No. no, she's not done it, has she? No, no, I think she's done things which are similar, and I, I know she did uh, something, something called a clown thing where she did uh, maybe more obscure songs, but I don't think she's ever done a strictly acoustic type set um, in that kind of setting, which is a shame because I think she would have have been good to have done about the Ray of Light time. Mm -hmm. It would have been a good time to to do it. And she does have the songs to to do it. So you wonder, is it a fear thing? Because she will will have been asked. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. She will have been asked. And she might just not it. feel like that's that that's her thing, that that's her, her strong point. And maybe she feels like, you know, being on stage and and the dancing and you know the whole full production and and the the dancers and everything like that that's her thing. And you know, maybe that's and that's a that's a massive skill in itself. You know, like mm-hmm. I I could never get on stage and and dance and yeah. sing and and put on a show well, like she does. So no problem. <laughs> We'd like to see that. <laughs> Um, but Lady Gaga's never done an unplugged and she's an incredible nope. vocalist. Oh yeah. Um, and your Belinda Carlisle's never done an MTV unplugged. Nope. Like, you know, there's so many pop acts, like your Dua Lipas and all that. I don't know, maybe it suits a certain type of artist, but I just think that Madonna would have been maybe. she'd have been yeah. good. If she'd been game to do something like that, I think it would have been quite an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and the example you gave about it has a really good example because it's almost like their songs, a lot of them, there was a lot of production in them and synthesizer, but actually it's really controversial, but their version of Take On Me, I think, is actually better, the unplugged yeah. one. It's, it's just gorgeous. like really stripped back. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Uh, and it's better than the original, which yeah. is really almost impossible, but it, it is. So, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, Madonna could have done that. And even songs like Borderline and Live to Tell, can you imagine them mm-hmm. acoustically and, mm-hmm. or an, an orchestra or It's Used To My Playground take a yeah. bow, you know, you can, it'd be great. Yeah. If you're listening, Madge, yeah, mm-hmm. Liza Bedita, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a shame. 
Uh, although I'm now looking forward to the Paul Nicholson unplug gig. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Just a bad yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see some dancing as well. <laughs> Just to find my love unplug. Open your heart to me. <laughs> <laughs> you just see this air I'm guitar playing, by the way. It's brilliant. <laughs> Did love you that. see the the video for Open Your Heart, you'd like you would never get away with that now. It's like she's basically the oh, wee yeah. boy goes in and she's basically like a stripper. He puts I think he puts money in or something. He goes in and she's dancing for him and everything. Do you remember yeah. the video? You'd yeah, it's just like yeah, you, you would not get away with that now. Yeah. <laughs> no. The dirty eighties, yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> The yeah. filthy video nasties of filthy. Yeah, no. There were no filthy. There were no rules oh, back then. Filthy. I know. Before the snowflake yeah. era. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for our final rule tonight, it's time for another edition of one of our favorite departments here on Real Time: explaining jokes to idiots. <laughs> Let's go into the joke of the pod. So, do we all have? Some very funny Madonna jokes to share. I don't so have a joke, first. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. Caroline, have you got one? So here's the thing, right? So, so I was researching last night, <laughs> and that was an awful Google search. Some of the jokes that were coming up yeah. were horrendous. They were. So misogynistic, so yes. derogatory. And I thought, this is awful. But I did mm-hmm. find one joke. Okay. It's really not that funny. <laughs> Did you hear okay. about the big fight that Madonna, Cher yeah. and Adele had? No. They're no longer on a first name basis. Uh, <laughs> boom. Boom. I've got a drum kit behind me. I should go to it. Seriously, it was the only safe one that I could actually well, see on mic. It's an interesting an interesting point you make because I did the same. I went online to look for it and I couldn't believe how almost all of them were were sexualized. Yeah. Yeah. Almost every single one of them. And even speaking as a guy, I was kind of like, ooh, that's a, yeah. you know, <laughs> a bit off. I mean, it would be pretty remarkable if you didn't see anything like that. If you given, like, Think about some of the albums that she's put out, the sex book in bed with Madonna. It is all very sexualized and it still kind of continues to be, but there's a line between expressing your femininity and your freedom in your body to some of those jokes that I saw online. It was a bit like, nah, hold on a bit. This mm-hmm. is not right. Awful. Yep, you know what Google's like? It was just a cesspit of cesspit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I was, I was really quite taken aback. Uh, by um, Paul, do you have a good joke for us? Well, like you were saying there, I, I was like, I can't repeat them. <laughs> you know, we'll keep to them. It's like, but there is what it's, it's kind of like Schwarzenegger. Oh, I can't speak. Schwarzenegger <laughs> has it long. Brad Pitt short. Madonna does not have it, and the Pope does not use it. What is it? A surname. It's kind of like Chris. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see. Good for a pub quiz, uh, that one. That mm-hmm. is good, isn't it? Yeah. That is good for a yeah. pub quiz. I like that. That that was one of the uh one of the ones that I could could say that was appropriate. <laughs> uh, 
And it's not really even a joke. No. <laughs> that is my idea of a joke. Did you find fun? You're supposed to be good. Well, I have one, yes. And here it is. I hate all 1970s female solo artists. What a bunch of prima donnas. Oh, Oh. very good. Very good. Well done. That was the best (laughs) one. That was was the the only one on Google. (laughs) What would we have done if we didn't have Google? Oh, we'd struggle, wouldn't we? We would absolutely struggle. So yeah, there we are. That was that was about the only one that was a uh, safe to use. Okay, well, um, we've got the, the nine songs that are making it onto the TTMF supercut. So four songs didn't make it, and those four songs are skin. Uh, a shant no, sorry, they are skin shanty slash ashtangi, which is always easy to say. Uh, to have and not to hold and mer girl. So, we'll maybe um, see if anybody wants to talk about any of them. So, I think um, mer girl, Paul, you were the only one to pick that. So, it's final track on the album. What'd you like about it? Because it's grim. There's some sometimes they're the best songs, the grim ones. Uh, and I think when I when I was like putting the album together, like the uh, my cut of it I had it at forty six minutes. I could have had because I almost felt like you could have had fifty minutes. Obviously, we were allowed, but almost felt like less is more and. And that, yes, that was just a good way to end the album, having that song on it. Okay. It's, yeah, no, I mean, it is very un-Madonna-like. And, and actually, I think um, you were saying, Caroline, that it was a little star that got in your head. It was actually for me, Merrigirl, of all mm-hmm. songs. Um, and it was unlucky not to get on my car. I just think it is different, and it is telling that kind of story. And I believe uh, from researching it, um, I think in 2016, Madonna explained that the inspiration behind the song that she was once visiting her dad's house and and decided to visit the place where her mum was buried in the in the, the graveside and everything was overgrown with weed and it's all all to do, to do with that. So I, I think it's a very interesting song. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marissa, Caroline, either you guys consider it or was it too grim, too out there? Just yeah, it's the. There was nothing to grab onto for me. It was just too, too alternative. Not, okay. not for me. It's okay. obviously quite an intimate song for her because yep. she's obviously singing about her mum and, like you know, I think, I think it was the right song to end the album with in terms of all the songs that are on it. But it was just kind of one of those ones where it went on and on a bit and. You know, it's almost like the songs that could be used in like a horror movie when like they've got the yeah. nursery rhyme that turns a wee bit sinister. It's a bit One, like two, Freddy's like the jewelry boxes that start, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you know, just got the wee yeah. sweet sound and the dancing yep. and it like slows down and then the next thing Freddy's jumping out at the wall after you. But like I it's, yeah. it's it's 
it's quite haunting. But then again, we're all talking about it and we're all explaining how the song made us feel and it's certainly meant to evoke something, I think, in mm-hmm. all of us. So she's yep. done her job well. You have to give yes. her that. It's it's just it didn't really, you know, it's not a song that I would choose to listen to over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Another, well, another song um, which didn't get on and actually um, Marissa and Caroline picked it, me and Paul didn't. So, ladies, why don't you tell us why um, skin should be on this and that we're idiots? Sounds like she's in the middle of Mumbai. I need to make a connection. Yeah. Yeah. It stressed me out. Mm-hmm. It stressed me out. I felt stressed after listening to that. It's song. a wee bit like um, that Simple Red song that you that Fairground. Oh, oh the fairground. The drum beat, the, the kind of oh. drum beats yeah. like they kind yeah. of oppose the rhythms. Um it just yeah. freaks her out. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it takes me into the middle of the slums in Mumbai where like thousands of people barging past you, like you're getting claustrophobic in crowds. And again, the song has managed to actually bring out a reaction in me. Yeah. But it just, I found it really hard for my senses to process it. I just got quite stressed out. Same, I didn't just, just, I didn't want to listen to to more of it. (laughs) When I got to a minute, I was like, no, that's that's enough. That's Please plenty. Make it stop. That's plenty. <laughs> mm. it, it actually, it goes on for over six minutes. And, and the thing is, I actually do like the song, but it just, it, it should have been three or four minutes. It, it, yeah. it does go on for too long. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's so. Anyway, it didn't go on. Um, another uh, was to have and not to hold. To Which I think I was the only one that picked that, and I think I liked it mainly <laughs> uh, for the. I think it's a nice, but easy tune. But I really just like it for the ba 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 ba. That's all. I like ba ba ba's. Let's go ba ba ba's. So for me, uh, it was another one like... of those songs that sounded like it didn't belong on the album. It was kind of like right. a lot. Like if you think a lot, Isla Bonita, but like a beat it. Version of it, it's got that bum 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 bum. It's got that kind of salsa, yeah, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, I just thought it was a bit compared to the rest of the songs on the album, it was a bit sickly sweet and a bit mm-hmm. boring. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, didn't really do it, didn't, didn't do it for me. Just okay. felt it, just felt like a bit of a filler. Okay, so it didn't get on. Um, and one we all agreed that shouldn't get on. Shanti Ashtangi Swatma 
None of us went for that one. Why not? <laughs> Just shouldn't really be on a pop music album. I don't think. I don't really. It doesn't really fit. I don't think you should say shouldn't ever because I think it's up to artists to do whatever yeah. they want. They're expressing themselves, but. No pun intended. It could simply be cultural. It could simply be cultural that we don't get it, that it doesn't appeal to us because she had to sing in a different language and actually learn that language. And apparently someone at the BBC had heard an early version of it and had actually went and corrected her to say, actually, some of the words that you're singing are not really kind of done properly. You've not actually went and pronounced them properly. So she had to go back and train and learn how to do it and sing it. Right. properly and I, I just think for me I didn't get it because it isn't my culture it's it's not what I've known it's not what I've been used to and it could mean so many things to other people that really like that culture or feel like they belong in that culture but for me it didn't mm-hmm. yeah I would I would tend to agree I guess for me a song works um when you're listening to it it either makes you feel something evokes an emotion or it's pleasing because there's a melody you can hang on to or you love the lyrics or anything and for me the lyrics didn't speak to me because I didn't understand the the, the just the vibe of it didn't really sit well with me it just felt a bit I don't know it felt almost uncomfortable to listen to but that's yeah. just like what Carolyn says it may just be a, a cultural thing you're not used to used to that sort yeah. of thing um, but yeah, it didn't really do much for me. I do like the instrumentation on it, um, and it's only a four and a half minutes long. But for me, for me, it just seemed to outstay its welcome. And I actually think it would have been a really nice ninety-second, two-minute interlude curio yeah. yeah. separating the the first and second halves of the album. Agree. I think that yeah. would have been a nice little. Mm, it uh, might have break. worked in that in that context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as like so, a breaker uh, to. Yes, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that would have been quite an interesting curio. Uh, Paul, you didn't pick it. Yeah, it's not your thing at all. Was what you guys said? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Like trimming the musical fat, then check out trimming the movie fat, and our latest upcoming episode dedicated to the 1980s Roger Moore James Bond movies. Let's reveal the supercut of Ray of Light. So the nine songs that are making it are um, Drown World, Substitute for Love. We've got Swim, Ray of Light, Candy Perfume Girl, Nothing Else Matters, Sky Fits Heaven, Frozen, The Power of Goodbye, Little Star, and I think that's the nine, isn't it? Yep. Don't think I missed any there. So the runtime of our supercut is if our memory serves correctly is 46 minutes so we've made it with our uh, well we've just made it under the 50 minute mark there so i'm going to go around everybody again to so bear in mind those nine songs were selected what would you rate that version of album out of five so paul i'm going to come to you first probably the same actually Three, two, no, no change. Three. Okay, Marissa. Yeah. Um, I think that pushes up to a four out of five. Yes, yes, our work tonight has not been <laughs> wasted. Brilliant, <laughs> and Caroline. 
I would still leave it as a four and a half out of five, which I think is pretty good. Okay. 4.8. Make it 4.8. Yeah, I'm going to go with you there. I'm going 4.8. I can't maybe just give it that five, but it's certainly... Exactly. It's been, it's it's been close pushed. enough. It's been pushed up there, yeah. Um, so if you want to listen to the TTMF Supercovery of Lights, uh, you can do so. So head over to Spotify and you can get the link for that via our Facebook group. And we'll also share the playlist for uh, both our guests and Paul and I as well. It's the final questions. First question, when should Madonna have retired? So we're talking about if you want, if she wanted to retain her mystique, you know, not go out on top, being all singing, all dancing legend, when would the best time to been to have, to have done that? Caroline, I'm going to you first. So you have to be careful how you answer it because you don't want to upset anyone because who are we to be making statements about when someone should be retiring, right? It's it's all subjective, it's art, it's all down to creativity. She could come out with the best album ever in the next five or ten years, you don't know. But yeah. based on all that she's done to date, I think the bookmark for me has to kind of sit at the Confessions on a Dance Floor album and then just stay there. And I have to confess, I haven't listened to to a lot of her albums since then. I've listened to wee bits, but the singles that she's put out, there's been none that's went and blown me away. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'd probably um, agree. I'd probably agree. Um, but like Caroline says, I wouldn't write her off. No, yet. absolutely not. Like I, you know, inspiration can come at any point and you know there might be something that happens to her when she's in her 70s or or who knows she might meet somebody that blows her mind or she might you know get into some sort of hobby that she never had before which opens up a whole you know range of lyrics and things like that she you could just... turn into Joni Mitchell yeah. you never know yeah like yeah 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 so I wouldn't would surprise wouldn't... me I, I yeah I would like her just to continue for as long as as long as she can, because you just never know. Yep. Okay, Paul. It's a pretty controversial year. Oh dear. Say, blue or something. No, no. <laughs> I would say probably after uh, nineteen ninety nine and uh, Beautiful Stranger, and this would be our last album. That's what I would say. Okay. That's just much. Okay. For me, I agree with the ladies, which would be Confessions on the Dance Floor. Why? Uh, I think it's her last great album. It's a good listen. And I think it's a real nod back to her roots when she was, you know, uh, going late 70s, early 80s, doing the nightclubs and so on. Uh, it's a real dance pop album there. Uh, and obviously it was very successful as well. I think sales over 9 million, a couple of big hits and Hung Up and Sorry. So... Yeah, and I think her finger was still in the pulse there. So, which which she had been for what nearly twenty years by that point. Yeah. So that would have been a good a good time to to have uh, went out on top. But we're glad she's still going. So uh, there's no doubt about it. 
So the second question I had here was around maybe a more a more serious one, and that was, I think, ageism and sexism in pop music. And I know before we started recording, we were having a a, a laugh around that. We we're, were talking about the Madonna photo shoot, which I think was from last year, where she was widely ridiculed for, I think in particular, one photo where she was, I think the top half of her is underneath a bed and the bottom half of her was, was sticking out. I know at the time Madonna cited sexism and ageism um, in that there. And as ladies, as females working in the, the music industry, what, what do you say uh, about um, sexism and ageism? Uh, is it something you've experienced? as artists? To certain degrees, the sexism thing with... It's like sometimes we get called girls or lassies and that's nice because people are just being affectionate but I think, you know, I think sometimes it feels like you're being spoken down to at times because it's normally men that they say, oh, here's the lassies here, or here's the girls. It's like, well, actually, we're kind of working professionals here. Um, like, you know, we're actually older than you think we are. And, and for me, that's a bit of a bugbear for me. Um, and in terms of working with certain people in the past, there's been that. Certainly for me, if I speak up or if I express that I want something done in a certain way, that that causes an atmosphere, it causes a discomfort with that person that's working on the song. And for me, I'm just like, well, I'm the artist, I'm the creator. I want to work with someone to help to make my vision come alive. I don't expect to be like, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's... It's like you're not allowed to have an opinion or want to make a decision or want to change your mm -hmm. mind about things without causing an issue. And, and I just, I don't like that way of working. I mean, that certainly happened to me working about oh, six years ago. Um, and I was treated very badly by a certain production company. And um, it wasn't a good experience. And a lot of that was down to misogyny and it wasn't meant to be because I know the people didn't mean to, but that was just inherent in the culture of, you know, or you're the little woman and you'll just do as we say. So, well, no, I'm the paying client. I'm actually paying you. And I want you to help to do my vision. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there has been a wee bit of experience of, of that. In terms of ageism, um, I've not really experienced that, if I have to be honest. What about you, Marisa? Um, I've not ex not experienced ageism yet, but I think internally I've always felt a kind of clock ticking on me. Ever since I was, you know, like even when I was like twenty, I thought I was too old to be, mm -hmm. you know, pursuing a pop career. Because you think, well, you know, so and so mm -hmm. is, you know, Alicia Keys. By the time she was eighteen, she already had recorded her first album and you know yeah it's it's hard not to put that 
clock on you, but I think I think now when you see some of the artists that are still out there, still smashing it, you know, well into their forties, fifties, sixties, like um I don't know if you guys know a um jazz and blues singer called Sharon Jones. She a band called mm-hmm. the Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. She never got her big break till she was, I think, early fifties. She'd been trying her entire life. And it was a bit of a shame actually, because she she got um she got her career off the ground in her fifties and then she I think she got cancer um and, and passed away um not that long after it. Um and just thought that was a bit of a shame. But I just thought that was great that she still kept going, still kept doing yeah, what she was doing. And then at some point in her career people realised how good she was and yeah. what she had to offer. And I think that just gives you a bit of incentive to keep going so i think there's definitely more expectations on women to look a certain way mm-hmm. for as long as they can mm-hmm. and that's just not natural right i mean you see all the stars succumb to the pressures that are put on them with the amount of plastic surgery they have to get done mm-hmm. boob jobs botox everything don't really hear as much with men having to do that and no. in fact you know for men to go gray or lose their hair, or have thin hair, or white hair. It just makes them, like, you know, slightly more distinguished and more wise, and and it feels like no one really bats an eyelid. But if a woman had to go grey and let her actual real hair colour actually come through, which is the majority of your older female artists and actresses that are out there are all probably grey and all got to dye their hair, you just think, well, why do they have to do that? Because mm-hmm. an industry will just write them off. Um, and you're seeing much more visibility now. People all shapes and sizes are getting modelling deals and they're embracing the grey hair, they're embracing that. So this is all really, really positive. Seeing people like Lizzo and stuff just out there and doing their thing, which is great. But you think back to early Madonna years, it was a different landscape, really mm-hmm. different landscape. And... and I think there's still I think there's still a lot of pressure on women to look good, mm-hmm. which can be quite unsustainable at times when like you're fighting nature, you're fighting <laughs> the body clock, you're fighting everything that's going on around you as a woman at a certain age. It, it's it's really difficult. Yeah, I, I I was just gonna say I do think there's more pressure on females and I always feel like as a man you can kind of grow gracefully and you're still kind of seen the same in some ways but as yeah for a female yeah. even in that in the acting business as well it's like it's almost like all right you're too old now or uh i'm i'm thinking of a couple of singers though i'm thinking of like debbie harry she was like in her mid-30s when blondie became big mm. and uh tina turner when she kind of had her comeback when she became her most popular she was in her 40s mm-hmm. uh so but that's maybe more the exception than yeah. but hopefully you know hopefully things can change now actually because people like you're saying people can be any age and still do something some amazing work yeah so where does madonna lie in all this then so i know she has called out ageism and, and sexism is she helping her own cause of late with some of the the decisions she's made and some of the the photographs and such like she's put out there 
for me personally, I didn't like her last batch of photographs on Instagram. I just thought they came across quite smutty and lacking in sophistication. Okay, she was expressing art and that's up to her to do what she wants and I can easily just <laughs> basically just not even look at them if I don't want to. But I just looked at it thinking I would have respected you more if you'd not done that, if you'd done something a bit different that wasn't so sexually explicit. I think the world has maybe moved on a little bit and I don't think we all have to be flashing our bits out there on Instagram for everyone to see. Um, I think it's nice to have a bit of mystery and going back to the light and how she looked on that album. Yeah. Fully dressed, she had the glint in her eye, she had that sexiness about her and sophistication. You can still be like that as an older woman in your like, 60s like she is now. She can still look sensational and dress really well. You just, I, I just felt like it didn't really benefit her. I, I don't know what that went to prove like yeah. I, mm. I just didn't get it yeah yeah I mean it's hard it's hard to say because you know she's obviously someone who likes to do to do that you know like I can't I would never want to put myself out there in that way even if I was 20 or whatever you know when she started um first you know put herself out there in a provocative way so that's it's hard to comment because maybe she has that need in her to want I don't know if it's like you know she still looks amazing for her age and maybe she just needs that validation that kind of admiration that she's had her entire life on how she looks maybe it's really really hard to get away from needing that um yeah that kind of admiration but yeah I would agree with Caroline I I, I think I just think it's a much more classier to keep yourself a bit more hidden but it's not it's just not yeah. my just personal preference per for us yeah 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 okay thank you for that that's interesting uh let's lighten the tone slightly with the it's final a bit final dark question. isn't it, it has, <laughs> can, I just yeah. say we, can i just say before we do that uh that there's nothing wrong with an older woman as well i'm married to one so <laughs> Smashing. So, there you go see. So, absolutely so there yeah there's go. nothing 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 wrong with it at all no 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, we're all lighting the tone now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so albumism.com did a poll one year ago uh, asking its users to select their favourite Madonna album. And there was over 18,000 votes cast. I wanted to ask each of you, what do you think was the most popular album? So Paul, I'm going to come to you first. Like a prayer? Okay, you're going with like a prayer. Okay, Caroline. Does that include compilations? Yeah. It it does not. Oh, you're getting down to brass tacks here. Yes, it's, it's studio albums. <laughs> I think I think if it wasn't studio albums, I think <laughs> the immaculate collection would be winning all day long. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, studio yeah. albums only. Yes, so Caroline, what are you thinking? So you don't know out of those 18,000 people what the age demographic is, because that would totally I'm afraid swear. I do not have mm -hmm. that information. <laughs> uh, I want to say Like a Virgin. Is that an album? Okay, that is an mm -hmm. album. Yep. Yeah, so you don't like yeah. a virgin? Alrighty. 
big big seller. I think it was twenty million plus. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, massive. I think yeah. I think I'm, um, I think I'm going to change my mind and, uh, and go for the I can't change your mind now. I'm changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marissa, we're coming to you and your changed mind. Mm-hmm. I'm changing my mind. Yes, I'm going for that as well. <laughs> like a virgin. Oh, like a virgin. Okay, so here we go. The favorite Madonna album on the album is in Paul was Ray of Light. Oh, I should have changed. Oh, right. okay. That was my original answer. Ray <laughs> of Light in a change. Uh, yeah, sausage. I'll just I'll just edit it, Marissa, so that you, you answer yeah. Ray of Light. There you go. I just yeah, figured so Caroline normally part. gets these things right, so there you go. <laughs> I was yeah, going to say, I'm breathless. Um, I'm breathless one. I'm breathless. One. <laughs> is what, what, is in, uh, the album or your current physical state? Probably both. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, number five was music, number four was like a prayer, three was confessions on a dance floor, surprisingly, number two was erotica. Oh, no, I didn't mm. like that one. No. So, that, I thought that was surprising. Yeah, number one was uh, Ray of Light, so yeah, quite, quite uh, some surprising selections um, in there. Coming on the 1st of December, our look at the remastered Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion albums and our combined Use Your Illusion album playlist. We've opened our heart tonight, but it's time to say goodbye. So thanks to Caroline and Marissa from the Eve for joining us and uh, we hope you you cherish the time we spent together. (laughs) Stephen, um, enough. Come on. No. <laughs> you definitely need a holiday after this, don't you? <laughs> holiday. <laughs> Celebrate. It's the end. Um, so, is there is there anything you guys want to uh, promote or say before we we finish up? Uh, just to follow us on all the socials that you socials that you can possibly find we are at the eves music on uh, facebook twitter and we are at the eves music uk on instagram and we've got a website as well the eves.co.uk and we've got our headline show on the 19th of november in Irvine at the harbour arts center so it would be great to see some of you along there as well so yeah keep in touch give us a wee follow check out our music perfect Thank you, and good luck with your future endeavours. Um, uh, so thanks to you, and our, uh, thanks to you for listening. And until next time, keep trimming. Trimming Music Fat Podcast is a Stephen and Paul Nicholson production. Contact us by voicemail by going to anchor.fm forward slash ttmf forward slash message or tweet us at, at musical trimming or email us at trimmingthemusicfat at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group or visiting our website www.trimmingmusicalfat.com or support us financially by going to Patreon and getting some great podcast exclusives. I love it. I love it.